All right. Hello, everyone, and welcome to CineQuest Video. Today, we're going to be talking about our top 10 favorite movies of all time. Uh, today, we do have a special guest. Uh, it's not just me uh, giving you my list uh, or any of the other podcast contributors that you normally would see. But today, we have Swan on the episode today. Thank you, Swan, for joining us or joining me. Well, thank you for having me. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Thank you. <laughs> um, Swan, uh, we have talked about movies kind of briefly uh, to each other many times and uh this was kind of a a list that we decided to go through but with some rules specific rules um yes which made it extremely hard for me <laughs> uh, <the laughs> hey i had to challenge you yeah absolutely so uh no uh franchises no uh nothing that's a sequel and i think that was pretty much it right nothing that was those are basically yes. the rules, yeah. They that, basically had to be standalone, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah. that was difficult <laughs> because <laughs> the minute we started talking about this list, uh, the first thing that came to mind were a bunch of the franchises that I do love. Uh, so I had to kind of put those out of my mind. We're just going to get right to it. So this is going to be our top 10 list of favorite movies. Uh, I w- it might be of all time, but it's favorite movies as of right now as standalone films. So should we do like a like should we how how did you want to do this? Did you want to maybe start from like the like are there is there ah sorry I can't talk is there like a specific order to them like I, I have mine numbered but I don't necessarily like them in that order. Do you know what I no, mean? No, no, uh, I I could not for the life of me put them in a specific order. They're just yeah. So the list is as as is, but is this top ten? I do have a few. Uh, Honorable mentions at the end. So if you have any of those you can throw out, that's perfectly fine as well. Wait, are the honorable mentions franchises? Or? No, no, no. They're honorable mentions as, single okay. Right. as well. So, uh, okay. So, no, I, I don't think I have one any prepared, but if some come to mind, maybe I'll m- mention them. <laughs> okay. 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 So, do, who wants to go first? Do you want to go first? Or you want me to go first? Uh, you can go first if you'd like. You I'm really first? curious to see what you have. Yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, I'll go first just to kind of get things started. My first film, and you're probably going to like scoff at me for this one, uh, is Inglorious Bastards, which is uh, the Quentin Tarantino movie. Um, that one, uh. <laughs> <laughs> that one, uh, probably one of the first movies I've seen in a long time from Quentin Tarantino. Most people would say like Reservoir Dogs or Pulp Fiction or something like that. I like Inglorious Bastards. Uh, I saw it in the theater and was one of yeah. the first. Well, one of the few movies that I snuck into another showing immediately afterwards to watch it again because I liked it that much. And it's all basically, uh, I think this was probably for me, Quentin Tarantino's uh, kind of mature dialogue that he kind of started writing. Uh, but I would say it's not necessarily Quentin Tarantino's dialogue. It's mostly the actors that sold it for me specifically, uh, especially that first scene. I completely forget the actor's name, but... I think every actor in this movie like sold the, the whole movie for me. And that's basically it. Because, I mean, I've seen other Quentin Tarantino movies and there's some scenes that just drag along, you know? Like, the dialogue just can, goes on and on and on. It really has nothing to do with the movie yeah. itself. It's just kind of filler. Uh, but this one was the only time I feel that uh, the movie from front to back was a 10 out of 10. And specifically, I looked on IMDb. I had rated it already a um, long time ago. A 10 out of 10 for me specifically. So, Ooh, a ghost. <laughs> oh, no, it's because one of my cats knocked something over. Right. <laughs> Sorry. Okay. Uh, no, I was going to say, um, as much as I like to 
be a Quentin Tarantino hater. I don't hate him. It's just kind of like, oh, everybody, like every movie aficionado likes to say like, oh, yes, Quentin Tarantino. I'm like, <laughs> I'm over it. But well, I will good. admit, I will admit Inglorious Bastards is a good one. I, I did enjoy that one. Okay. I enjoyed it more than Pulp Fiction because I did like Pulp Fiction, too. But I did. I, yeah. I I enjoyed Inglorious Bastards more than Pulp Fiction, even though yeah. I liked Pulp Fiction. Me too. I mean, but, I, I enjoy a lot of his movies, and I can say for uh, that there are portions of the movies themselves that do drag or they're boring because. And I say specifically for Reservoir yeah. Dogs, there's that whole scene at the table that kind of drags on and on, and Death Proof, not his best work either. But uh, Inglorious Bastards. I haven't seen that one. My Glorious Bastards is my favorite of Quentin Tarantino's, and I also tried to keep it to as one director movies like uh not no multiple not multiple movies by the same director so uh, oh you made it even more challenging (laughs) yes i did and i didn't even think about that so um you up the ante i did for myself specifically uh the list wasn't done until like two (laughs) days ago after that i had to just let it go and anymore so um so if you want to give uh your first pick all right one okay so this one i know you're probably gonna say something but you know like how i am about like quentin tarantino you're like this about the genre of period pieces i guess like period dramas or stuff like that but this one is specifically special to me because it was one of the first movies that i saw for myself and what I mean by that, I was like, it was not like, oh, like a family pick or something my mom or dad picked for my, my sister and me to watch mm-hmm. when we were kids. I just happened to be in the room when my dad was watching it on, on television, and I was really captivated by it. And I don't know, it just kind of, it's one of those kind of like defining movies for me. Because mm-hmm. it, it led it, it led to certain things that happened as in my life as I was growing up, like as a, a young kid and uh, to my adoles- into my adolescence. Mm-hmm. And that movie is Amadeus. I was ten years old when I first saw it. Like I said, it, the first time I saw it was through television. It was a televised version of it. And then I didn't even get to see the whole thing. I I saw it like maybe from like towards the beginning to like the end like because I, I i kind of didn't see the beginning of it when mm-hmm. i first saw it and then i was really insistent that i wanted that movie i was like dad i want to have this movie i want this movie and so for my 10th birthday that ended up being our first dvd that we ever owned because dvds were barely becoming a thing you know yeah. it was like still a, like it was it, it happened during the transition from vhs to dvd mm-hmm. And yeah, like that was the first DVD we ever purchased. It was 1999. <laughs> I still remember that. And we bought our first DVD player along to go with it. And the DVD player that we bought had like this function on it called AB repeat. Mm-hmm. And I would repeat my favorite scenes over and over again. And I watched that movie from nice. beginning to end, sometimes multiple times a day, every day for three months. And mm-hmm. I had that movie memorized word for word. And my family got sick of me for it. <laughs> So, like I said, it's just kind of like a defining movie for me, and right. that's why I love it so much. It's what got me into orchestra. It's the reason why I play violin. Mm-hmm. And I've even gone back and watched it like a couple of months ago, like you know, as an adult, and it still holds up for me. It's really well made. It was nominated for all these Oscars. I think F. Murray Abraham, who played Salieri, he won Best Actor 
for 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 his performance. So mm-hmm. it, it is really good, and not only because the Academy like claimed that it is, but I am also self claiming that yeah. I really enjoy the film, and I think it's worth a watch. Uh, you have suggested that movie. Have you? Did you ever get to see it? I've not seen it yet. <laughs> it's still waiting for me to watch. Uh, but no, I do plan on watching it at some point because uh, I do like uh, just because it is a quote unquote period piece. Um, it has to do with like music and stuff like that, which is something I love as, as well. Uh, so as long if it's a movie about like an artist or something like that, kind of intrigues me as well. So that's why I do want to watch it. I just never did for the longest time. I thought it was a horror movie yeah. for the longest time. Uh, the cover I used to see the cover in uh, the blockbuster oh, okay. with Medialand near my house, and. Uh, it just looked creepy, you know, and I was just like, I don't know if I can. I was just gonna watch that movie. I I didn't even know how to pronounce it. Yeah, the cover is kind of creepy, right? Yeah. <laughs> um. <laughs> all right, so that's uh, your first choice. Yeah, I only knew the pronunciation because of the movie. They say his name. Um, my next movie is gonna be uh, Big Trouble in Little China. Um, this is a John Carpenter movie. The the one uh, rule that I did break for myself, which if uh, anyone who's listened in the past does know that I tend to break those rules or we all break those rules at some point. Um, I did have two movies from John Carpenter on this list, even though just a little while ago I said I tried to have one director <laughs> per movie. But uh, Big Trouble Low China has to do with Kurt. He's, it's Kurt Russell going through uh, China, trying to help Well, Little China, I guess, in uh, New York, probably California. I'm not sure where. Um, and they're looking for some girl with green eyes, and they come across uh, this wizard, Lopan, and it's just a bunch of fighting. Uh, I used to watch this movie as a kid all the time, and I was always obsessed with the fight scenes, especially when all those uh, magical guys come through with the little spinning things and electrical stuff, whatever. And um, I would imagine myself in the fight doing my best to like beat up all these guys. Of course, obviously, that could never happen. Uh, but it is a movie that I've watched many times over as a kid, and it is one of my favorite movies ever, and I will continue to watch it. I have lots of memorabilia, shirts, DVDs, many copies of it. So that is why it is one of my favorite movies. <laughs> I vaguely have memory of seeing that movie. I'm like, I don't know if I've seen it from beginning to end, but mm-hmm. I know my my parents liked that movie, and so... I think I saw bits and pieces of it and I remember enjoying what I saw. Like I, like I was a kid. I don't remember it. I yeah. haven't seen it in my, my adulthood, but I feel like it is one of those movies that I wouldn't mind, like, you know, watching again, like just to kind of revisit it. And it'd probably be like watching it for the first time for me. Right. So, we, we actually, yeah. did, we actually did an episode where we talked about uh, this movie and surprisingly uh, a lot of the, the guys that were on the episode hadn't watched it either. Wow. I mean, in in my in my household, Big Trouble in Little China was a staple. We watched it all the time, every Sunday. I did those Sunday matinees on Channel Four, Channel Five. We would watch it during those times. Uh, but yeah, that is uh, another one of my favorite movies. Uh, Swan, you want to get to your next one? My next one that I have is my second one, and also kind of defining one. Not probably not as much as Amadeus, or maybe it is just as much. I don't know. We'll see, because I did go to school for this. Um, my second movie is Chaplin. So <laughs> I discovered this movie because I was going through like my adolescent Robert Downey Jr. phase. <laughs> <laughs> and 
And I think the first movie that made me notice him as an actor was probably Iron Man, which okay. I mean, a lot of people know him for. Mm-hmm. But I mean, it it, it caught that movie caused me to kind of like look him up and look up his filmography and see what else he had been in. And then I, I for some reason wanted to see more of what he did in his youth rather mm-hmm. than like you know later on like in like his more contemporary stuff. So some of his, some of his youth movies are <laughs> ridiculous. Um, <laughs> he came out of Weird Science and Tough Turf. And, I haven't seen that one. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but. Yeah, so like I think some of like his like stuff that I saw like when and like that when he was younger was like uh, I don't know if you heard of this one called Less Than Zero, yeah, mm-hmm. and then there's there's this also one called um, oh what is it called? I'm blinking. Oh, uh, Air America with him and yeah. Mel Gibson. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that one, that one's that that was a pretty funny one. And then there's like this other one. He's not so young in in this one. He's more like in his like. Maybe in like his like early to mid thirties in this in these, but like I saw Kiss Kiss Bang Bang and The Singing Detective, and there's like a whole other like list of movies that I ended up watching because I liked Robert Downey Jr. and Chaplin was amongst them. And when I watched Chaplin for the first time, I was like, I knew of Charles Charles Chaplin before Charlie Chaplin. Like you know, yeah. he's he's a really iconic figure. In, in um in silent film and but I had never kind of seen like or knew anything about his background or his story right. and that that movie is kind of like you know a good idea or a glimpse at what like you know his life may have been like because they used his autobiography to kind of like write the script for this film and um it made me a huge fan of Chaplin and albeit there are some things about him that are kind of like, you know, controversial, (laughs) but he was a brilliant actor and he was a brilliant filmmaker and he's kind of like a big deal with how the film film industry is run today because a lot of like, Back before, like when for, when film just started, like actors were just kind of seen as like you know, like a regular worker. Like they were just the entertainment. They were they weren't anything important, or they weren't anything regarded with like you know, high, like they they weren't they weren't celebrated like they are today. Right. And um, him and a lot of other um, actors kind of united and they they um they formed united art artists i know it was him douglas fairbanks and a couple of other actors i I don't know who i forgot who else was amongst uh the the ones who created united artists but they kind of united together to kind of form like you know the the their the prestige like i guess of like hollywood okay and um i didn't know anything about that yeah and so he he was kind of like you know responsible for that like well one of the ones that responsible he wasn't the only one but he was one of the ones who kind of like you know embarked or kind of started all that uh in in Hollywood and um but yeah like i i i've watched like it made like that movie made me a a bigger Charles Chaplin fan and it led me to watch a lot of his mu- movies and it's part of the reasons why I'm in, into that 
Criterion Collection because that specific collection has released a lot of Chaplin's films through its collection. Mm-hmm. I have I've watched The Great Dictator. I watched um, Gold Rush and um, The Kid. Um, one of my my favorite Chaplin films so far from the ones I've seen is Monsieur Verdot, where he's this kind of guy who's marrying rich women, well, like old rich women, and then he kind of like you know kills them to gain their money. <laughs> <laughs> but it's done in a very comedic way, so yeah. it was pretty. It was pretty good, and um, but yeah, like uh, I really enjoyed Robert Downey Jr.'s portrayal of this man, and he was nominated for his first Oscar for this film. I think it might have been his first Oscar nomination. I'm not really sure, so don't really quote me on that. But <laughs> well, uh, we'll we'll look that up later. But like, uh, and you can maybe write a note like, "Oh, his first." <laughs> Anyhow, you got to deal with the consequences of the stuff you say on that. No, no, no. I will, of course, always. I I accept my when I'm wrong. (laughs) But anywho, he he was nominated for for um this uh this movie. He but well, I think unfortunately he he lost to Al Pacino for Scent of a Woman. Um, I've seen that. Which I. I just think he was snubbed, but I've never seen Sense of a Woman, so I'm just being biased. <laughs> yeah, that's why I like Chaplin. I haven't seen Chaplin. I have seen Sense of a Woman, though. And How was that movie? Was it really good? Was, oh, yeah, it was a really good movie. Um, but uh, Chaplin was one of those films that I just never got around to. Like, I always knew of it. I remember the yeah. trailers when it came out in the theaters and stuff like that, but I just never saw it. Like, I've seen Charlie yeah. Chaplin movies. I've seen a lot mm-hmm. of Chaplin movies. I just never seen the this biography of him. You know? It it really is worth a watch, I think, because it's kind of like you get to see Robert Downey Jr. not be Tony Stark, because like a lot of people <laughs> know him as like Tony Stark now, yeah. or Iron Man now, and that's what they associate him with. And I feel like, I mean, he does other things. He's done other things, a lot of great mm-hmm. things. But I feel like they associate that time of his life with his past, you know, and it just kind of yeah. sucks because yeah. he he's trying to I think he's trying to leave that behind him. But they always every time like something that something good that he's done in the past, like work wise comes up, but that also gets brought up, too. And it's just like, it yeah, sucks. yeah. <laughs> that, that is that is one of those movies that like I feel like has been almost forgotten in his filmography, no. where people have like not even mentioned that because I know like that was held in high regard at the time. Yeah, but it's not again. It's because people see him as Tony Stark now, and he's been <laughs> that character for almost over a decade now, and uh, so people just grab onto that. Especially if they're you're young. I mean, most people don't even know he did anything prior to that practically. So I mean, yeah, we'll see. Well, they should IMDb him like I did in my youth, and then they just should watch his 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 older films. <laughs> Right, especially uh, Weird Science, Tough Turf, you know? <laughs> I, need to, I need to watch that one. Wait, he wasn't another one. What other ones did I watch him with? Like, I was just like, it's the one where he kind of had like a gap in his tooth. And I'm not sure if that was natural or that was just kind of like a no, makeup type that, of thing. No, that was natural, I think. I, really? When I was younger, he had like that kind of gap in his tooth. Because I know I yeah. saw it in, and I'm going to mention it for the third time, Weird Science, Tough Turf. Uh, when he was like, probably like, I would say he's either in his late teens or early 20s when he came out in those movies yeah so, but yeah he came out in like real like a bunch of like side roles uh when in the like early 80s 
Oh yeah, yeah. yeah definitely. It wasn't much of anything, you know. And then like he started getting more uh, prominent lead roles later on in his life. Um, but yeah. also during that time, he was the whole drug thing and all that kind of stuff. Like, yeah, uh, still didn't tame tame uh, affect the acting. He was still a really good actor amongst all yeah. the troubled times. But it it there's a little bit of an asterisk on those uh, performances. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, no, definitely. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> Um, we'll go into my next one. Uh, my, my, my seventh or my third movie is, uh, Spinal Tap. And that is a oh. mockumentary with, uh, it's Rob Reiner and I keep forgetting all their names, but, uh, this is a classic, uh, this has been a classic movie for a long time. Uh, like that kind of tells the story of a fake band and, uh, they're being documented and they're kind of at their end of their career. They're, Tensions are high in the band, and like uh, there's been a lot of like cliches in the film that a lot of uh, rock stars in the '80s have said were like really true uh, regarding like the them catching diseases or groupies in the band or them losing their way up to the stage whenever they're going to perform. All those little kind of things, but the movie itself is hilarious. Um, the performances from um, Three main band members, uh, flawless. Uh, they play like this this fake British band, and <laughs> it's just insane. And but the music itself is also entertaining. And I know they wrote and played all the instruments as well. And oh, wow. the movie itself, uh, also there was no script either. They kind of had just like scenarios, and they would improv a lot of things. So that's where kind of the movie is built on. Uh, but if yeah. you, Spinal Tap. One of my favorites also. I could see it many times. It's still funny. I laugh at every joke the same. Uh, it's very subtle. It's not not like overtly uh, uh, like uh, physical comedy or anything like that. It's all just in the kind of delivery of the lines. And that's that's why I love it. So, um, I, I've heard of that movie. I, I, I don't know too much about it, but I don't know why. And you please correct me if I'm wrong. I'm getting like this image in my head where like the, that has like a kind of like flashy type of like font, like almost kind of like a metallic thing yeah, for spinal yeah. tap. Yeah. That's the one. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I would always see that. Like, I'd like, like, you know, like kind of in the face fronts for like blockbuster or any rental mm-hmm. place that you went. And I was just like, it kind of like, made me curious as to what it was, but I never like, you know, said, Hey, I wanted to see this movie because yeah. like, I didn't know what it was. It just kind of yeah. had like an yeah. interesting cover to me, but I didn't understand why it was interesting. Yeah, the, the cover itself is, doesn't lend it like to uh, someone to be intrigued to watch it, especially if it's not kind of like, uh, it looks like if you ever seen like the downfall of Western civilization, a lot of those like old, uh, documentary it's like a it's it's a documentary but it's because of it's a fake band um Mm -hmm. if you're not that's not your style then it's probably not going to be something that you're into especially if you're not into documentaries which i don't know too many people are i love documentaries um i thought this was real for a while because the band itself performed as the fake band like on saturday night live and they came out as those characters and for a while there i thought they were real but then find out that of course they're not so um it's just a it's just a nice little uh fun look at like what it kind of a band would be in the eighties and and it's all fake but kind of true at the same time. So I if you haven't seen it, I suggest you check it out. It's um it's a classic. 
people love Spinal Tap. I love Spinal Tap. So since you said it has it's it's comedic, right? Yeah, yeah it's a comedic. It's, it's it's, so I, I wanted to ask you, like, since you're like they're like this kind of like big band in in the eighties. Is it anything like that movie uh, Rockstar with Mark Wahlberg? Uh, not necessarily because like they're f- filmed differently. Uh, okay. But the f- the film I know the film Rockstar is kind of loosely based, or might be like I think it's loosely based on a uh, Ripper Owens who uh, took over singing duties for uh, Judas Priest. Okay. Yeah, because he was like a he was in a tribute band for Judas Priest, Ripper Owens, and then like they fired uh, Rob Halford, and then they got him and put him as the frontman. And I know that happened in Rockstar too. Like I think he was in a tribute band, and then the the real band put him as a front one, something like that. Uh, ah. But it's they're filmed very differently. They're very uh, different formats on the way they because uh, I mean uh, Rockstar is basically a movie with a script. Uh, mm. Spinal Tap is just kind of improv. They're kind of putting oh. it and they kind of just kind of go with yeah. it. Yeah. So that but sounds it, cool, though. I want to see that. I will say the comedians themselves; those are like professional comedians. Like you don't see those kind of kind of comedians very often, where they're oh, they can write, okay. they can improv, they can play their instruments, and they sing. Not they're not the best at all at any, any of these things, but they just do it well. So yeah, yeah. So that's to where that's it works, funny. you know. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and um, I think it's hilarious. So, <laughs> but um, Swan, your next one. Oh, what are we on? Number three, right? I think we're on the third. Okay. One. <laughs> yeah. So my third one is a weird one. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why I gravitated towards this film. I just did, and it's not like oh, I agree with it. It's more kind of like I like the way. It was written like, and I and I of course read the book after mm-hmm. I saw the movie too. And I don't know if you know what I'm talking about. I, I've mentioned this movie too, but um, probably. Um, I'm referring to A Clockwork Orange. Okay. And the fir- I remember the first time I watched that movie, I was I think freshly graduated from high school, and I was hanging out with some of my friends, mm-hmm. and one of my and we were and amongst my group of friends back then there was one of one of us was still in high school and she, she said, Hey, um, my English teacher showed us this weird movie today. And then she put it on for us. Like, I think we had to download it or something. And then she put it on for us. And then, <laughs> and then like we were watching it and everybody was like, what the, you know, you know, everybody was like, just yeah. kind of freaking out. Like, what is this? Like, why would your teacher show you this? And then while well, everybody just kind of slowly like lost interest and just started like, you know, like they just continued talking to each other. I just kind of like stayed watching it. I don't know why. I was just kind of like, where's this going? And and then I didn't get to finish watching the movie with them, but I ended up telling my parents about it and then we rented it and then we all watched it together. And then I ended up just liking the movie a lot, like a, like a lot, a lot. Like it was just kind of like this strange type of story about this young guy and his like mischief friends mm-hmm. and it's told that he's narrating the story to you he's kind of like and then i i saw i saw this thing on like one of like the featurettes i think of the film uh, that that was saying like 
the way it's kind of like told, like the way the Clockwork Orange is told through like Alex's perspective, mm-hmm. it's almost like if he's like you, the audience is like maybe his confidant, and that's why even though you know he's like a horrible, horrible human being, you still somehow empathize yeah. with him, and you don't know, you don't understand why because you know he's doing these terrible things. I mean, right. He 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 like meets someone, he he rapes a woman, yeah, and he just does these horrible horrible acts of terror towards like you know the people in his community and and then it like he only gets caught because his friends um, they turn him into like the the well, they don't really turn him in. It's just kind of like they, they they set him up and then they abandon him and then he gets caught and then he gets thrown in prison and then the government just kind of like says, oh, hey, you want to be released, kid? Well, like, we have this whole program, but like, and, he, no. and, and they just like kind of made him into like this kind of like science ex- experiment where they where they kind of like basically like take away his ability to like, you know, um, his his freedom of his free will. You know, he 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 can't all the, all the things that he, I guess, naturally wanted to do before, like he couldn't do that anymore because they were they were they were causing him to act negatively towards mm-hmm. violence, which is what he was all about. And while like that would be like ideal, because like you don't want anybody committing violence, you're still stripping him away from the choice of being able to do that or not (laughs) and so it was just kind of like weird because like he he gets himself into all these situations after he he's released and you kind of feel a little bad for him or i felt a little bad for him but at the same time i didn't understand why i was feeling bad for him because he what he did all these bad things it's just like like it's just like the way the story was told stanley kubrick did a phenomenal job of like directing it like his vision his team they executed it like and who's the really. you remember the the name of the actor is malcolm right malcolm something malcolm McDowell, yeah McDowell, right um yeah. yeah i remember seeing that movie with a group of my fam my family members my cousins uh yeah. we just turned it on one day and everyone was kind of like in shock just like in the first like couple minutes of the movie you know even with all those like uh disturbing scenes and like sexual assault and stuff like that yeah. Um, but I, I didn't, I, just like you, I didn't finish seeing it during that time. I ended up seeing it later. Yeah. And, um, I would say like, you do have like almost some kind of conflicting of emotions with this character because yeah. you kind of start to feel somewhat empathetic towards him or sympathetic. And yeah. you know, I shouldn't, he's like, a, he's like a bastard, like, <laughs> you know, but yeah, it's, it's pretty crazy. Clockwork Orange it's just on my top 10 list because I recognize how like it on all kinds of levels, like it's, 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 um, it does really well with storytelling. Like it, it's very stunningly visual, like visually stunning. Yeah. And it's just the, the, the acting, the, like just everything is just really, really good. And even though it's a story about, a horrible, horrible kid. It's just really well told. <laughs> yeah. I'll go on to my number four. My number four is Office Space. Um, oh, okay. Mike Judge, uh, 
making this movie about a guy named Peter Givens. He works in like a tech office. And basically he's, I would say he's disgruntled, but he's very depressed and very unhappy uh, with his job, the people that he works with, his boss. uh, Office Space has a bunch of like classic characters um, in it. Very quotable. I don't know how you grew up or if you are familiar with Office Space, but... Yes, I am, but I haven't seen it. Any one of my friends that have like watched the movie, like this thing gets quoted like every single day. Every other day, we were all living together as a bunch of uh, college uh, guys, <laughs> like live like as roommates. Everyone's quoting Office Space. At Isn't that the point. one where they like break up printer or something like that? Yeah, and it has okay. a bunch of, like a like hardcore rap as a soundtrack and stuff. And okay, yeah, the little dichotomy between like our, or like the contradictions of like the type of movie that it is a bunch of like white guys and even an Indian guy working in an office very boring and then like overlaid with a hardcore rap soundtrack especially a hardcore rap (laughs) you know Scarface Ghetto Boys that's some like hardcore shit so (laughs) it's it's it just adds to the comedic value of the movie and um, also uh, the soundtrack that I listen to because you think like you're a gangster in your head you know Working, we're living a boring life, working a boring job, <laughs> and you throw in that song. I think Office Space puts a smile on my face. That kind of rhyme. Yeah. <laughs> that, I didn't oh, know. that was an intentional <laughs> rhyme. Nice. Um, <laughs> See, it's, yeah. it's cool when it happens like that, right? <laughs> so, um, and of course, Mike Judge. Uh, he's done a bunch of other movies as well. He's done Idiocracy. He's done. Uh, it was Beavis and Butthead. He was the uh, the main guy from Beavis and Butthead and stuff like that. And, uh, oh, okay, I know. Uh, uh, and King of the Hill, the cartoon. Oh. So uh, I'm a big fan of Mike Judge, but this was like probably his peak movie for me. Um, yeah. Even though he is bringing back Beavis and Butthead, and we'll see how that turns yeah. out. But um, Office Space. Wait, he's it. bringing it back? Yeah, it's, it's bringing. It's coming back. Beavis and Butthead. Yeah. What? <laughs> yeah. I didn't know that. Well, yeah. that's pretty cool. We'll see how we'll see how that turns out. <laughs> um, <laughs> But I mean, I, I, anything Mike Judge does, I really like it a lot. Whether it's a cartoon or movie or TV show, like I'm, I'm down for it. Oh, he also did uh, the show uh, just on HBO recently. It was Silicon Valley, also uh, one of my favorites. I, I haven't heard of it, but I, I mean, I've heard of it. I haven't seen it though. Yeah, yeah. it's all really good. I, I love it. I, I am a fan of anything Mike Judge does, but Office Space is still one of my favorites. So. I'm more familiar with some of those things than I even realized because I didn't even know who Mike Judge was until you just mentioned it. But like, yeah. huh? Like I'll have yeah. to look more into that. And I'll I like Office Space has been on my list for a while, but I was always told to watch it. That's really funny, and I I just never got around to it. Yeah. But yeah, um, but it's Mike on my Judge, list of movies to watch. Mike Judge is from Texas, you know, so that's why there's really? a lot of themes in Mike Judge's stuff. Uh, so, oh, yeah. I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. Huh. Um, no bias being from Texas and just because he is from Texas, but I just think that it, it's a nice little bit of trivia from some people from Texas. You know, you got a good film, uh, good writer out there making great stuff. So we got to We got to promote ourselves, yeah, especially sure. like, you know, so we can grow. <laughs> it doesn't need our help. I can tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> no. So like, I mean, we can grow like yeah, yeah, Texas too. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Um, what's your next movie, Swan? 
Oh, geez. Okay. You're not going to like this one. (laughs) (laughs) My number four is Pride and Prejudice. (laughs) (laughs) That goes without saying. And I want to clarify, it's the one with Keira Knightley, not the one with Colin Firth. Because I get a lot of people who love Jane Austen tell me mm-hmm. that the Colin Firth one is better. But, and and I will say that I haven't seen the Colin Firth one, mm-hmm. so I can't really comment on it. But I have seen clips, especially clips of, like, my favorite moments in the, the movie with yeah. Karen Knightley. So I kind of watched them kind of side by side to see how who did what better. And one of my favorite scenes from from Pride and Prejudice is Dar- Darcy's confession or of his feelings to Elizabeth Bennet. And I l- just love the way it's done in um in the Kira Knightley version. I call it the Kira Knightley version just because she's like the main star of it, but it's yeah, actually like, you know, directed by Joe Wright. Yeah. He's he's probably one of my favorite directors. Like he does a lot of like this kind of stuff. He's done um, Anna Karenina, he did that one episode on Black Mirror, um, oh, the one with Bryce Dallas Howard, uh, the one, oh, what, what, do, you, do you remember the name of the episode? I can't remember. I know, but it's the one where they're, like, giving each other likes and stuff. Like, yeah, when they're, where they're rating each other, yeah. Oh, I can't remember the name of it. That's another footnote right there. <laughs> uh, I can tag it on the bottom here of the screen. So. Exactly, yeah, yeah. But, uh, that that movie is just so well done. I, I just love the chemistry between the two actors. I love the way the emotions are, 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 are delivered mm-hmm. in this film. And I felt, I felt that the Colin Firth one just lacked those emotions. And I'm all, I'm a very emotional type of person. I like to see like those emotions, not, not necessarily an overreaction of them, but like, mm-hmm. I like when they're done, when they're delivered well and delivered genuinely. And I felt, I felt that the ones in Joe Wright's version were, they were more genuine in my opinion. And I felt to me like Colin Firth's, Colin Firth, Firth, (laughs) Colin Firth's delivery was just kind of, monotone almost it just didn't it didn't have that same weight to it like yeah. like it, you didn't feel like what he's feeling and it's just like oh i i didn't care for it but then one of my friends she argued that oh but like that's how like they were back then like back in the day they didn't they, like they were like always trying to hide how they really felt and like especially like like they couldn't even like reveal or express themselves like you know like in clothing like if right. you if you saw so much as like their ankle that was enough to like get them all like i was like <laughs> who? and then i was just kind of like thinking like who's talking about like ankle showing and stuff like that i'm talking about just, like talking about like how you're feeling and stuff yeah, like that and i that, that, that's yeah and so that's why i just love the way the acting is done and it's really also again visually stunning too like the choreography is really beautiful the sets and the costumes are so beautiful in this movie um i i i stand by me being really favored for this version uh, or adaptation of *Pride and Prejudice* over any other one that I've sort of seen or 
you know have seen of, as of yet right. it's it's really good there are just so many beautiful moments that I, I always like to like like remember like with my fellow fans of of jane austen like i i really like that this one moment when um darcy and bennett like are dancing for the first time and they're kind of conversing and they like their, their conversation turns into an argument and she he kind of gets mad at her and he says like well what are you trying to figure out she's like oh don't I, i'm just trying to figure out your character and i love the line that he says in response to that because he says to her well i hope to afford you more clarity in the future mm-hmm. because to me that line is kind of telling her that in his own way he's kind of even telling her that hey i like you and i'm i want to see more of you and right. socialize more with you and cuz like she seems kind of shocked by it because like previously in another like encounter with him he like she she had overheard him like referring to her as like barely tolerable and here he is saying that he wants to be it's more clear to her in the future yeah. i know and she's just like what but it's just kind of like they're always kind of playing like these like mind games with each other almost yeah. because they're like they're all they're both so prideful and don't want to admit to like their actual feelings or at least not only do they want do they not want to admit to each other they they more don't want to admit to themselves that they actually like you know feel the way they feel with for each other you know because of their pride and um but yeah it's just it's a beautiful beautiful story i read like about maybe half of jane austen's film like a book but i was too young to understand like the language of it because i I did start reading it when i was like a teenager and i feel like i would probably understand it more now so i've always been meaning to revisit the story and like actually finish it this time because i feel like i'd have a better understanding of it now than i did back then but yeah that's that's my number four (laughs) what's your number five Uh, no uh, i've never read any jane austen and i'm pretty sure i never will (laughs) (laughs) but um I'm probably more open to watching the film adaptations of these movies as opposed to reading the story. Oh, you should. Um, uh, I mean, like, there's a movie called Jane Austen Book Club. I don't know if you've heard of it. Like, it's got that guy, uh, what's the name? I think it's Hugh Dancy or something like that. He comes out in, uh, he comes out in, uh, how do you, did you see the show um, Hannibal with uh, Mad Mickelson? I've seen some episodes. I've never seen the whole thing, though. He, he's the detective guy. Okay. All right. Yeah. He's in this movie called Jane Austen Book Club, and uh, they just kind of, it's like about like these group of people that are in a book club, and all they read is Jane Austen. So, see, he, if he was in that book club, so can you. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, speaking of not Jane Austen, we'll go to my number five, which <laughs> is the movie Young Frankenstein. Um, oh! A Mel Brooks movie. Uh, I think it's. Peter Doyle, uh, Gene Wilder, uh, and I, I can forget the name of the rest of the characters, but the cast itself is uh, amazing. Uh, Gene Wilder as uh, Frankenstein, Frankenstein, not Frankenstein, <laughs> and uh, you have uh, the classic Igor character, but it pronounced uh, Igor. Uh, it's it's Igor, but they pronounce it Igor, but he does it kind of like just. As because he's pissed off because he mispronounced uh, Frankenstein or whatever. Um, this movie, um, I've saw it when I was a kid, and since then it has not left my collection. 
I have multiple copies of Young Frankenstein as well. Um, it is one of Gene Wilder's like classic performances. Uh, even the the character of uh, the monster, um, who is the dad, and like everybody loves Raymond, is amazing. Um, uh, the Frau Bruja character, uh, who's supposed to be uh, Franken, Doctor von Frankenstein, the older one, the uncle. Uh, his girlfriend, <laughs> like everyone's character is just so great. I love this movie so much. It's so funny. It's classic Mel Brooks. Um, I think I've memorized every bit of this movie, all the dialogue in this movie. Wow. Uh, and I can turn turn it off and like say every line verbatim. Like I've seen it that many times and I will continue to see it. And I literally laugh at every single <laughs> moment, every single time. The same way all the time, like it, like it's the first time I hear the joke. Um, but I mean, as I don't know if you could tell, like at some point or another, like I have a lot of like comedies in my uh top oh, yeah. movies. Um, I love comedies. Uh, there's many more comedy. If it was just a comedy top 10, there'd be a hell of a lot more. But uh, I have a- <laughs> and Young yeah. Frankenstein is a staple. Uh, Young Frankenstein is just a top 10 of all time favorite movies. To me, it's one of the best ever made. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that Young Frankenstein as a parody of the adaptation of the Mary Shelley uh, book and movies, the old movies itself, uh, just fantastic. I love it. I was going to say that, um, so uh, Young Frankenstein is your Amadeus. Because, <laughs> like, you know, I did that with Amadeus, like how, like, you know, with the whole memorizing, like, the, yeah. like, the movie word for word. <laughs> I will, I will say I said did the same thing with the Breakfast Club too. Really? I used to yeah. sit there. I think I, Breakfast Club is not on my list here, but uh, it yeah. was. I took it off. But <laughs> uh, Breakfast Club, I saw multiple times. For, I think for like one year, I saw it almost every day. Oh, oh my and god, I, that's a record. Yeah, and I memorized every single piece of that movie, like every line, uh, every monologue. Um, I can say it right here off the top of my head. I won't, but yeah, I uh, would just practice saying the lines because I thought they were just so great. Uh, but yeah, so for some reason, I thought there was going to be a point in time where I, that knowledge was going to do me some good. It hasn't in any way, shape, or form. Uh, but I, I thought I, would, I can impress with my monologue of John Bender from Breakfast Club or my... Uh, my lines from young Frankenstein. I've not been able to do that at any point, just in my own head when I'm by myself in my room. Hey, that's a monologue right there. Yes. If you you ever need a monologue, if you're auditioning for something like right there, you have it, you have young Frankenstein and you have breakfast club. Yeah. So, um, yeah, breakfast club number five for me. No, you no, not Breakfast Club, Young Frankenstein. Oh, sorry, Young Frankenstein. Sorry, <laughs> um, that would probably be like one of my uh, honorable mentions. Uh, uh, but yeah, for Young Frankenstein, uh, I actually just bought it on Blu-ray, uh, like another copy oh, wow. recently. So I had to have the VHS recorded copy, the DVD, the Blu-ray, and I probably have other memorabilia from that too. So like, yeah. I haven't seen Young Frankenstein. It's been on my list, and I've been told that it's really, really good. And I look forward to watching it one day. But I do really like Mel Brooks. 
Mm-hmm. I, I think I've only maybe seen one of his films, but that's enough for me to say that I like him because I can recognize his work and how great he is at what he does. And the movie that I got to saw was Dracula Dead and Loving It. And that movie is so <laughs> freaking funny. That movie is so good. Like, I could not stop laughing when I saw that movie. It was just, oh. Dracula, so, like, Dracula, <laughs> that, that made me, me want to watch more of his stuff. So, like, if, if he can make me laugh that much with the, that film, like, I'm sure he, I'll be laughing with his and, other and films as well. I'll tell you this, that Dracula Dead and Loving is, is not even his best one. Yeah, I mean, um, you want to go to like Spaceballs? Uh, he did Spaceballs. He did Spaceballs as well. What? Uh, he did the producers, which is like a really good musical. I don't know if you've seen Ooh. that. Wait, um, with the one with uh, Matthew Broderick. He did. Uh, well, yeah, he wrote. No, or the other one. Well, the the original. He did that one, right? Oh, there. okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. But yeah, um, he's the original guy from the producers. You have a uh, Blazing Saddles, which is a very controversial movie as well. Um, oh, okay. Um, I'm blanking on any other ones, but I mean, oh, Robin Hood Men in Tights is also oh, okay. I haven't seen that one, but I've heard no. that it's funny too. Uh, Mel Brooks movies are just a fun, good time, you know. Um, yeah, Dead and Loving It was also one of my favorites when I was a kid because it's just, it's just nuts. It's just a ridiculous movie. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, it is, but it's so, so good. It really is. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, so Young Frankenstein. There it is. Uh, what's your number five, Swan? Uh, let me see. I have Little Miss Sunshine. That's a good one. That's a really good and, one. Oh, you've seen that one? Okay. Yeah, I have. It's really good. Ah! All right. Yeah. So this one, the reason why I like Little Miss Sunshine a lot, and by the way, I, I, I will mention this before I get into why I, this movie means so much to me, is because, like, fun little facts, like, I didn't really care for Steve Carell as an actor Mm-hmm. Until I saw this film, yeah, surprising, I had, surprisingly really I, good. Yeah, I, I saw, I, because I, I had tried to get into the office back then before, mm-hmm. like before I even watched this movie, and I couldn't get into it because I thought his character in that in that episode in the in those and that show was they were just I just found him annoying. I think mm-hmm. at first, and, but then again, to be fair, it was still on air when I was trying to watch the office and. It was probably like the first season or two, and even even trying to watch it now, like the first season is kind of hard to get through, but you just kind of have to push through it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this this movie really is the film that made me recognize Steve Carell and made me see him in a different light because I was just really blown away by his performance in this movie and just like the whole cast in general, like. I watched this movie during the time when I was a re- in a really dark place and I was going, I had major, I was going through like a major depe- depressive episode and this movie pulled me out of it. Like I watched it like maybe three or four times a day and I would like, I cried the first time I watched it in the very opening credits. Mm-hmm. Like I just started crying and like, and l- the line where, where like, <laughs> And it's so funny because like you you would you would probably think like oh like the line where like uh Greg Kinnear is kind of like talking about like his nine step program, like he he's just kind of like saying try, saying to to go out there and be a winner. And he's like no no excuses no like no consequences. Like I don't know, but just the way he delivers that line is just kind of like tugged at my heartstrings, and I just start bawling, yeah. <laughs> like like you know, and 
I don't know. Like it, it, it had me from the opening, and it had me at at the very end. Like the end made me cry as well because, like, it's just like you see this this group of this family that's pretty dysfunctional, and they just they don't like really necessarily kind of like like one another, except for like maybe the little girl. Like she just loves everybody. She loves her family, even though they don't really love each other. And she kind of unites them. And then, like, what unites them even more is her having to go to this little Imagine. little Miss Sunshine con- yes. contest. Yeah. And I just I, I just love how they they seem, like, so against each other. And then they just seem so for each other at the very end. And it just kind of ties up really nicely. And it's just a, it's just a really wonderful, feel-good movie. And that goddamn horn <laughs> just, like, cracks me up every time i love that freaking horn like i don't know why it makes me laugh and then like the, like just like the situation of it just not stopping and then he gets pulled yeah. over and then like the dead body it's just like <laughs> yeah. it's just like hard it's just like it gives me anxiety but at the same time i can't stop laughing at the same time because it like it gave me anxiety the first time i watched it because i was like oh god are they gonna find the grandpa in the back are they gonna find the grandpa in the back <laughs> but then like they're just like okay no it's just like the porno mix <laughs> <laughs> it's a great movie yeah it is i think i've seen that movie like three times and uh it it's it, it falls into one of those types of movies for me where it's Kind of, it's depressing, but it also makes you happy towards the end of the movie, kind of thing. And yeah, a few movies like that for me. I one of the other movies like that is uh, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Oh, I love that one too. Yeah, um, I I always say this when I went to go see it in the theater. I never left the theater so depressed and so happy at the same time. <laughs> that's a good. That's a good way to phrase it. Yeah, so, like it was so uh, conflicting leaving the theater. I was like, I love this movie, but. It's so depressing, but I feel really happy. I saw like it kind of made me feel good, but again, depressed at the same time. I never understood that, but anytime I would watch that movie, it's kind of like an emotional roller coaster to watch. And I say that even though Little Miss Sunshine, like it has like those comedic moments, but also those very well acted dramatic moments between the characters. And then you have them all kind of uniting at the end. Yeah, exactly. Oh, another gut wrenching moment for me too for Little Miss Sunshine was like, I felt I felt so hard for Paul Dano's character, like when he finds out she's <laughs> colorblind, and then he finally yells out like a big, <laughs> yeah, yeah, because he wants to go into the military, right? He wants to, yeah, like, exactly. You know. I I felt so bad for him. I felt so yeah. bad for him because, like, man, like he he did all this stuff, not talking to his family, shutting them out, and stuff like that, hating them even, yeah. like all for nothing, and it was just like, yeah, oh, it, it felt, yeah. yeah, and he had no choice but to kind of like. Get get together with his family, you know. Yeah, that's all, that's all he had at the moment. So yeah, <laughs> it just kind of sucked. I felt so bad for him. <laughs> oh, and also like with uh with uh Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind that when he's trying to hide her through like the memories and some of the memories that he yeah <laughs> uh, that one is just like oh god yeah, that's crazy <laughs> yeah um, but yeah um, that that's that's my number five it's number five, it's just right. really great and I love it. I will always love that movie. My number six is a movie starring Tom Hanks. Okay. And it is The Burbs. <laughs> no, it's not oh, Philadelphia. Okay. Everything I thought. It's a movie called The Burbs that was directed by Joe Dante. 
it's kind of a dark comedy slash horror kind of movie. It's it's very light on the horror, more on the comedic aspect, uh, a little bit on the dark. Side. Any relation to the birds? No, it's like <laughs> for, for suburbs. No, I know. I was just trying to. Say. <laughs> Um, again, another movie we have talked about, um, Bryce, as you know, also one of his favorite movies as well. Um, oh, yeah. Normally, I guess people think of Tom Hanks. This movie doesn't come to people's mind. More, more, mostly movies like Philadelphia. Um, I think more of his Cast Away. Castaway. Um, Forrest Gump. <laughs> Forrest Gump, yeah. And the one where he's like the captain. Uh, oh, oh. Yeah. What was that one called? I forgot. I forgot top, I've seen pretty much all of those movies. Uh, but yeah. The Burbs is like one of my top. It's um, it's it's a movie about a, a guy named uh, Ray Peterson. No relation, Ray. Uh, but he is neighbors to the Klopex, who are a, kind of a new family that's moved in. And they're very mysterious. They keep to themselves. And the whole cul-de-sac neighborhood is uh, obsessed with them because... They never see them. They never see them go out, and they're always wondering what they're doing in there. And it turns out, um, spoilers for anyone who's watching this, um, they actually are killing people, and uh, they have like a bunch of skulls and bones in their trunk, which you don't find out until the end of the movie. But through most of the movie, they are under the impression that one they have killed one of their neighbors, and they're always trying to snoop around and find out oh, what's going on with the, the family. But it turns out nothing happened to the neighbor. The neighbor was sick. He went to the doctor. His family took him. They come back and find out that, oh, shit, like, all the, we we're going to get into some huge trouble because they've broken into their house. They've uh, dug through their backyard to find dead bodies and stuff, and they found nothing. Oh, my God. Um, <laughs> but at the end of the movie, they end up finding all the bones of these dead bodies in their trunk of the car. Whoa! Uh, so... It's just a funny movie. Uh, it's one of my favorite performances from Tom Hanks, and pretty much the whole cast has Corey Feldman in there as well. Like every character in the movie is, uh, they're all neighbors, and they all have very unique personalities, very unique uh, quirks to them. And I think it just works really well. And if you know Joe Dante, he's the guy that made, uh, or he directed Gremlins. Um, okay. So this is kind of in that same uh, aspect. It's a real fun, lighthearted, dark horror comedy kind of movie and it's just fun from beginning to end and i mean most people that see it and like those types of movies like they end up loving the burbs and i've been a huge fan of the burbs since i was a kid up until now again multiple copies of this movie for some reason uh <laughs> having like a, a redundancy of like copies of these films because i always feel something something or another is going to happen where i'm not going to be able to see it and i have to make sure that i have the capability to watch this movie at any yeah. point that I like. And yeah. so the burbs, that's for me. <laughs> how could I how have I never heard of that film? Like I've I'm not familiar with that one. I'll have to look that one up. Um, that sounds so cool. Like, and you're saying it's a comedy and yet it seems so dark. Is it like a it, dark it, comedy then? It's like a dark comedy slash horror movie. Because Joe Dante, oh. I know Joe Dante's uh Gremlins is kind of like a dark uh I'll say dark comedy, but it's like a dark kind of movie. It's dark kids movie. It's the Gremlins, you know. Um, but Joe Dante is also known for like horror movies and stuff like that. Uh, nothing is coming to mind at the moment, but I know I've seen mo a lot of jo Joe Dante movies. I thought Gremlins was, I thought Gremlins was was directed by Chris Columbus, or am I mistaking him for someone else? 
No, I think that's that's uh, Chris Columbus. I know he did like I know he's like Home Alone and stuff like that. But Joe Dante, I believe, was the one who did uh, Gremlins. Huh? I thought it was Chris Columbus because I I think I'm thinking of another movie, maybe because like I, it's just like no, no. He only directed the first two, like like because like let me tell you because like I'm a huge fan of Big Bang Theory, right? And there's this one episode where they're where they're like watching. Chris Columbus movies on Columbus Day or what used to be Columbus Day, right? I don't know if Columbus Day is recognized anymore. I I, I think it might not be. I don't know. I don't remember. But um, there was an episode of a Columbus Day episode and they were watching Chris Columbus movies for Columbus Day and they mentioned the Gremlins and I was like Hmm. So I was like, hmm. Let me double check. on You know what? I'm going to double check that right now. Uh, <laughs> no, he directed uh, Gremlins. Yeah. Wait, what movie am I thinking? That I think I'm. No, 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 no. You're, 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 he, Chris Columbus wrote Gremlins. But oh, Joe so that's what it was. Okay, yeah. so he wrote it and then Joe Dante directed, directed it. Yeah. Okay. All right. So like oh, he. So I knew. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, because I was. Just, I I knew Chris Columbus was associated with that somehow. I just wasn't sure how. Okay, that makes sense. <laughs> so uh, I just want to throw out another Joe Dante movie. It was uh, The Howling, uh, the one about the werewolves, Inner Space with uh, Dennis Quaid and Martin Short. And then he also did uh, Small Soldiers, the one where the toys come to life. Joe Dante. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Um, but yes, uh, also uh, in the Burbs, Carrie Fisher comes out, uh, Princess Leia. <gasps> really? Comes out as well, yeah. So. Uh, oh, wow. But it's, I, it's just a fun movie. I like it so much. Uh, it almost made me want to live in a cul-de-sac, but realistically, I do not ever want to do that. <laughs> I, I grew up in a cul-de-sac. It's no, <laughs> no, no. Well, like, I, I would just imagine when I used to deliver pizzas at Pizza Hut, like, and I had to drive into a cul-de-sac. I used to think, man, like, I wonder if these people are always like hanging out with each other in like weird ways, like the verbs. <laughs> it's fun to do like the whole circle thing, like at the like the circle of the park, <laughs> yeah, like yeah. with the car. It's fun to yeah. do that, but my friend would always do that when dropping me off. <laughs> But yeah, so Burbs takes place in a cul-de-sac, bunch of quirky neighbors, a uh, little bit of dark uh, humor going around there. It's fun. Check it out if you haven't. No, yeah, I will. I'll definitely put that on my list too. I, there's like a lot of movies that you've mentioned so far that I need to put on my list. Well, I still need to watch. I still need to watch like Amadeus for sure. So. No, we're gonna watch all of them. <laughs> all of them. Well, I'll, I'll watch the Keira Knightley uh, Pride and Prejudice too. Yes, especially that one. <laughs> Uh, what's going to be your number six, five, six? No, six. we're on six. Yeah. Six. My number six is call me by your name. I've never and seen that one. I just like it because it's really, it's a beautiful story. It's a, it's a story about like this 17 year old guy and like this 20 something year old uh, other guy. And they have an affair with each other. And I just feel like it's just a beautiful film about, about love. Mm -hmm. And like, and like, you know how like love comes in all like shapes and forms. So I thought like, you know, it's just, it, it's set in the eighties and it's it's set during a time when like you know people weren't really open about that yet and um yeah, I, I didn't know and that. yeah and, and so 
they they've um they just had this affair with each other over a summer and then it just kind of ends and it's just kind of it has like this really spoiler alert i guess for anybody who hasn't seen it but like it, it has like this really beautiful ending where uh like it stars timothy chalamet he plays the 17 year old boy and his name is elio and it just has this beautiful ending where it's just kind of like he just gets off the phone with with uh army hammer's character which is the guy who he had a, a love affair with and he finds out that he's getting married to a woman and then he just kind of goes to like in front of a fireplace he squats it down in front of it and he just kind of stares into it and he's just kind of silently crying and then like the credits roll but they don't cut the scene they 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 just kind of let the credits roll as he's kind of staring into the fireplace and like the song by Sufjan Stevens comes on called um Visions of Gideon mm-hmm. and it's just kind of just really beautiful and powerful because as he's staring into the fireplace you see him cry you see him smirk you see him laugh you see all of these emotions just kind of running through his face like kind of like he's almost like reliving what he had with him mm-hmm. and also so saddened that he'll never have that with him again. Right. And, and it's just kind of like, ultimately, even though it is about like a, a, a gay romance, I feel like it, it goes beyond that. Like it, it goes for any type of romance, like, right. like whether it's, it's gay or hetero or just any type of romance that, that, that anyone has experienced, like, sometimes it's just kind of how it happens. Like you have like this amazing thing that doesn't last and it just breaks your heart, you know? It's so it's like a, just a love story that is just that anyone that has feelings <laughs> can exactly. probably relate to, you know, regardless of oh, yeah, exactly. uh, anyone, anyone else, who, anyone who, uh, or regardless of who's uh, the love is between. Exactly. Uh, that's good. I, I honestly I didn't realize it took place like at a certain time where like there's like a backdrop of uh, a particular time when like uh, that yeah. kind of uh, relationship was like frowned upon by a lot of people. I thought it. Took, well, I mean, I thought it took place like modern, like now, like in the or late late two thousands and stuff like that, or early two thousands, whatever. No, yeah, it's set in the eighties. It's just, it's just, um, it's just that type of like I guess set, like movies set in the eighties that were like the eighties like. Like the stereotyped '80s isn't kind of thrown in your face, like you know, with like all like I guess like the 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 like the electro like the techno clubs or like the 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 wear and stuff like that because they just look normal. They even look contemporary almost. Right. It's just it's not like it like it even sh- it in its opening it shows that it's like 1983 or something like that. Hmm. Yeah, and um, but like, but yeah. It's just kind of like acknowledges or establishes that it's that year, and then it just it's the the story is just told. Also based on the really book. Good. Did you read the book also? Uh, no, but I hear the book is even better than the movie, and um, I I, I look forward um to to reading it sometime. Yeah, at at some point. Yeah, it's on my long list of books to read, definitely. But uh, yeah, it, it it's just. It's just a really beautiful story, and I just acknowledge it for how amazing 
it came out. And also another fun fact about that film, it was shot on film. Like, like oh, you know, okay. it wasn't shot digitally. Mm-hmm. It was shot like I guess like on, on 35 millimeter. And um it was really cool because there was this one scene where the the like the the film gets messed up like mm-hmm. like but they kind of kept it because yeah. they felt like it kind of went with like the the like the scene mm-hmm. so you can kind of see like the film like kind of messed up like it's got, kind of got like a little like what do they call it not it's not like a flare or something like that I can't rem- I don't know what they call it with the term for it when it's all the cigarette burn yeah exactly it looks kind of like that like it it looks kind of burnt yeah I guess. Like at the top corner and you can kind of see it but it's just mm-hmm. it's just a good movie it all really right. is it's it definitely worth a watch yeah you should <laughs> all right um i would say my next movie and i was i'm just looking and making sure i'm like have 10 here one two three four you didn't okay. number them <laughs> no i didn't number Mine them. Are numbered. i just have a list so uh my seventh one okay uh number seven for me is uh stand by me uh stephen king adaptation also another rob reiner movie um okay. you ever seen stand by me I've heard of it, but no, I haven't seen that one. It has stars uh, a young River Phoenix, uh, Will Wheaton, uh, Jerry O'Connell, and uh, Will Wheaton's in there. Yeah, and they're okay. all they're probably like huh. like twelve, thirteen years old or something. Like that. Oh wait, is this is this the one where that's not the one where they're like playing baseball or something? Is it? Or is that another one? No, no, that's the Sandlot. Oh. I think it's taking the Sandlot. Oh, okay, yeah, no, no. So which one? Stand yeah. by me. Stand, stand by There's me. No is, uh, it's a group of kids, four four kids. Uh, they go on a kind of an overnight looking for a dead body, and it's based off a Stephen King book called The Body. Um, oh. It also stars Kiefer Sutherland as uh, he's kind of like one of the main villains in this movie, and uh, some also relatives, older brothers of those kids. Um, one of the kids overhears that gang, one of the gang members talking about uh, seeing the dead body of a boy who's been missing for a couple weeks now. So they decide before they're going to go back to school, which is, I think, the next week, uh, they want to go look for the dead body to find it, to call the cops and kind of get a reward. So everyone, And the thing is, everyone's also trying to like find this body to kind of get the reward. But most of the movie takes place of those those four kids. Uh, kind of like on a, it's like a coming of age movie where they're going from like elementary to middle school and kind yeah. of like them all kind of finding their own, kind of not necessarily finding their own way, but kind of the last bit of innocence that they have before they move on to the next uh, part of their life. And it's very, very dramatic movie. It has some fun moments in there as well, but it's mostly. Uh, very great perform, great performance from River Phoenix and Will Wheaton. Pretty much everyone does a great job, uh, really honing in on kind of like what it is to be a kid and even not being a kid who's an outcast, a kid who has kind of the straight and narrow. Even that kid has the problems at home because his older brother died. Like it's all these all these elements together. It's just a great movie. Um, it's it's been a staple in my house for as long as I can remember since the first time I saw it. And it still holds up after all these years. Also, has Richard Dreyfus as a narrator. Okay. Um, but yeah, it's just a movie about kids kind of coming of age. And I what, what, a, all, what all means. So. 
I would have never guessed that that's what Stand By Me was about. Like I, I like I said, I've heard of that film, but I, I, I like here I was thinking it was like some type of like sport movie, like you know, like no, kid, like, a, like a kid sport movie. But no, I, I, I uh, would say that's the probably the one you're thinking of is the Sandlot. Cause no, I, I think so too. Yeah, because uh, the sand, Sandlot has more to do with a group of kids who play baseball. And then their kind of perception of uh, there's like a dog on the other side of the fence and mm-hmm. uh, they hit balls over and they think this dog's like this gigantic monster. And, like there's this whole myth going along with that. Uh, but oh, no, okay. this, is, this, is, this is a different type of movie. Uh, it's, I, w- I would recommend anyone watching it. If you haven't seen it, it, like I said, it still holds up to this day. It's so great performances from all the cast. Um, and it's, I didn't realize when I did this, but also, I had mentioned Spinal Tap earlier. was directed by Rob Reiner, which is the co- comedic mockumentary movie. This was also yeah. directed by Rob Reiner. Really? Uh, yeah, which is, like I said, a Stephen King adaptation uh, from a novella called The Body. So yeah. if you want to check that out, I'd highly recommend it. Yeah, I need to watch more films. Like, so far, have I actually seen any of the ones that you mentioned so far? Like, I've, I've heard of a lot of them, but I mm-hmm. haven't actually seen, seen, like... Well, I think most of the movies that I'm talking about are movies that have at least two decades in my uh, watch time, I guess. Oh, okay. Uh, They've either been around since I was, like, before I was 10 years old, and I've continuously watched them over and over and over and over and over. Um, Yeah. So, but your next one's one. Okay, let's see. What are, we're, we're on number seven, right? That is correct. <laughs> My number seven is Birdman. That's also good. I, no, Birdman I, is a good one. I've seen that one. That was a really good movie. Yeah, I like Birdman a lot because I, I saw Birdman for the first time when um, when I was, I think, my my freshman or sophomore year of college. And I was I like I had never seen the Oscar like award ceremony before like on television before I like I've seen like maybe bits and pieces of it but I never seen it from like the start of the show till the end of the show and this is the like the like the I and I was like you know what I want to actually see the Oscars from beginning to end one and um I wanted to be familiar with like the nominations and so. I started watching whatever was nominated that, that season and Birdman was one of them. And that's how I ended up watching Birdman. And I mean, come on, Michael Keaton is fantastic in this film. He's just, for me, his, his performance in Birdman was top notch. I feel like he was kind of snubs. No, no offense to like Eddie Redmayne. Cause I, I loved him. Like, I love him in Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find a Man, and I genuinely like him as an actor. Mm-hmm. But I feel like Theory of Everything wasn't as strong of a film as Birdman was. Mm-hmm. And I felt like just because like he portrayed Stephen Hawking doesn't necessarily mean that he deserved the Oscar over, over Michael Keaton. Right. That's just my personal opinion. He's still a fantastic actor and congratulations to him, but I still think that Michael Keaton deserved it. Dang it. <laughs> I really think he did. Michael, and, um, Michael Keaton is a national treasure. Okay. Like- oh, he, he is. <laughs> he, he really is. See, not you, Nick, Nick, Nick Cage, Michael Keaton. 
Oh, see, that's what National Treasure Three is going to be about: finding um, finding uh, Michael Keaton. <laughs> <laughs> what was I going to say? But yeah, like I just loved that movie. It's just kind of it was amazing to see Michael in that type of role where it's he's both dramatic and funny at the same time. Like it's like a dramatic comedy. It's just like. Yeah. It was, it was like, it had some intense moments where you're like, kind of like, what the heck is going on with this guy? And I don't know, like, I was, I was so captivated with it. I was so impressed with the way it was shot, even though I heard there was like very few edits. They like, ultimately, Inyari 2, which is the director of the film, Mexican director also, Mm -hmm. representing us, you know, (laughs) he... He for he tried to make it from beginning to end look like it was one continuous shot, and yeah, I thought yeah. that was really really cool. That was a really really cool t- way to film a movie, like because like you know like there's like a lot of films with like notoriously like or like like ha- that they have like really iconic uh, long takes or long yeah. shots. But I I liked how he tried to make the whole film that. And that was yeah. It it looks pretty seamless, to be honest with you. It does. No, it does. Like there's like this one scene that I was just like, how the how the freak did they do it? Like, uh, and I'll I'll try to describe it to you, so maybe you'll know what I'm talking about. They go from outside, like, and then they go into the window, but the window has kind of like a like a like a grating or like a type like bar or something like that, and it kind of goes through it. And I'm like, how the how did they pull that off? (laughs) because <laughs> it looks so seamless you know yeah. like you, you you can't see if it's edited which maybe it is who knows that maybe like they're his cinematographer is just like i'm a wizard or something but like he like they just he just went from a window and then through this kind of like little grating and it's just like what <laughs> <laughs> it was really really cool it's just i don't know if you know what scene i'm talking about it's just like a oh, really neat transition yeah like well i noticed this like uh even just in general, like I said, when the movie's like going, uh, or following like some of the characters, like I was uh, kind of in shock because, like I said, you know, from beginning to end, it kind of looks like it's one shot. There's very rarely that you kind of kind of determine whether or not something is edited or not. And some impossible seemingly shots, like that one that you just described. Um, yeah, I, it's well, it's well acted. It's shot really well, and uh. I don't know. It's just a really good fucking movie. <laughs> I I love the scene, the fight scene between him and Ed Norton, where he like, where like he's like he's coming up with like this whole sob story, yeah. and then like Ed Norton's kind of like finally like feeling like bad and stuff. He's like, oh, like he's like, oh shit, I'm sorry. And then he like looks up, like all like mischievous, like you see, I can act too. And then he like <laughs> just starts being <laughs> like he was trying to prove something. To- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why I couldn't stop laughing when I first saw that film. I was like, oh my god. It was just and it was just like it was a, an incredible opening too. Like him kind of like levitate, levitating there in his yeah. tiny ways. <laughs> <laughs> that that kind of took me by surprise. Just like, well, what I didn't know what to expect with that movie. <laughs> like, I was like, what's going on with this? Like but <laughs> <laughs> really good. Just another yeah. great Keaton movie. So, yeah, and 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 that ending though too. Like, I'm like I I've heard some theories about what the ending might mean, mm-hmm. but I'm just like, did he 
die or not. Like it's just yeah. kind of like left open ended, and just like you don't really know. Like I'm assuming he did that. He did jump because well, she kind of looks down and then she like looks up. But I'm like, what? I, I'm kind of a fan of like movies that kind of leave the ending kind of ambiguous like that. Like yeah, just don't know. You have leave questions, and it it kind of leaves you like discussing the movie later on. So you might have to go back and watch it. I'm like, oh, maybe I don't know what I didn't catch everything. Let me go back and yeah. check it out. So. But it leaves uh, you with all these questions, and and like although like I like the ambiguity sometimes because like it leaves you it, it leaves it up open to the audience's imagination on what happened, mm-hmm. but I also like want the actual answer. Like I don't want my <laughs> answer. I want the actual yeah. answer of like the people who created it. Yeah. And, like like I have two examples that I can think of that like one of them was do you know the movie The Prestige? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. That one I obsessed over for like the longest time because I didn't know which one was the original Hugh Jackman yeah. anymore. And so like, I would like literally take like notebook like pads and like, I would like map it out and like try to figure out like at what point the original died and what, cause like he can either, he can either be like the one standing like, like that remains in like that, like little teleport thingy or trans- yeah like that that copy body copy thing or whatever you want to call it or he was the one transported he can't be both yeah and so i was like always kind of thinking about i was like well i'm like well hell like was he the one that got shot or was he the one that drowned so (laughs) i don't i don't know i have no idea which one he is till this day another one is inception i I just want you i knew i felt like i knew you were gonna say that you, you knew I was going to say Inception? Yeah, because it's just like, a lot of people are like, oh, like, oh, well, it's kind of like like wobbling a lot. And then I have like an interesting kind of theory that I came up with for, for that one. When I w- was taking astronomy, there's like this term, I can't remember the term. Um, I think it's, it starts with a P. It's kind of like, it's kind of like this thing or this concept that that happens to the earth like when it um when it, it like it, it swivels on its on its axis kind of like a top and they even use a top for like as an analogy like mm-hmm. for for this specific term that I can't think of it starts with the p i need to look it up and maybe i'll send it to you so you can write it at the bottom but like it and it it like it's kind of swivels at the top like every, every like every so often and then like apparently the the whole idea is that like it eventually will will shift like its axis so like north will be south and south will be north or whatever so it kind of it'll kind of like flip around or something like that but just- like but before it does that it kind of like does like the whole top thing and it's not just I, 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 I thought polar shift is it no, 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 no. It's something else. I don't know if I'm confusing the two like things or like they're two different things or like or they're linked together, but like it's like this thing where like it kind of like goes like that on, on its axis. Mm-hmm. And um and then thinking just kind of thinking about our world doing that, like like a top. I kind of like thought about inception, like his top in inception. And I kind of used that analogy of thinking like, oh, well, maybe it's kind of swiveling like that because he's kind of like stuck somewhere in between. Yeah. Both like because both, both both reality and the world he created with his wife are just as real to him. Mm-hmm. And and so like I felt like maybe that's kind of like whatever that term that I can't think of, that's kind of like what's happening with him. Like 
mm-hmm. both things are now just equally real to him, so it doesn't matter anymore. I don't know. I don't know if that makes any sense. I I've looked on some theories online for that, but uh, you can get like you can go down like one of those rabbit holes of a bunch of like. Um, it, it's just nuts. <laughs> I'll have uh, to look it up later. Uh, there's like so many theories for any of these types of movies. Um, there's never a solid answer. And yeah, yeah. It's, fun, it's fun to go and look at like everyone's perspective on like what they think might have happened because technically yeah. they could all be right, you know? So, oh, yeah. Um, but yeah, so that's where we're talking. <laughs> what movie were we talking about? We're, we're talking about Birdman because of its Birdman. ambiguous ending. Yeah. 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 And then I kind of, I just wanted to give like two examples of like, ambiguous endings that that kind of bothered me so is there any other yeah. thing you wanted to say about birdman um no oh well, i said everything i needed to say because <laughs> i thought he should have won i'm glad that i won best best picture and that that united to won best director but i think michael keaton oh, deserved best actor it did win best picture i didn't know that oh yeah no yeah it did it won best picture and best director but he didn't get best actor for it so boo uh, all right. Well, speaking of my number eight movie, I maybe it won some stuff. I'm not too sure, but uh, it's the Shawshank Redemption. Um, <gasps> okay, I finally, finally, I've seen one, and I love that movie. I love that movie. That movie's so freaking good. That movie's good. Uh, probably yes. one of my another Stephen King adaptation of a novella, uh, Shawshank Redemption, and uh, something something. The name of his wife. I forgot her name, uh, but. This movie, I think um, the story itself is really good. Um, I think it's mostly like any anytime I'm like fascinated with a movie that I've seen many, many times and I never get tired of it ever. Uh, whether it's the edited version that they try to show you on TV or the actual movies that uh, the, un- the unedited uh, versions that you can watch. Um, I just think the acting is fantastic in this movie. Um, is it Tim Robbins and Morgan Freeman? Yeah. Um, you really feel kind of like the struggle of this person. You know he's innocent. Yeah. Uh, and uh, he's kind of just going through the motions in this whole uh, jail system here. And yeah. uh, I don't really know what else to say about this movie other than I just like it a lot. And acting's great. Story's great. Um, Surprised they expanded it as long as they did because the book itself is really short, and um, it hits on every point. That, it almost hits on like every point that the book does the movie, yeah. and uh, it expands on it a little bit more. And I think they did a great job. I forget who directed the movie. I swear to God, if it's Rob Reiner again, I'm gonna be upset. Because <laughs> <laughs> you try to limit yourself, and then yeah. you. <laughs> yeah, I got. I got to double check on that. Hold up. Uh, da, 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 da. Frank Darabont, Oof, I was close. Um, I don't know. It, it's just a really good movie. I don't know what to say about it because I, I'm pretty sure everyone's seen it at some point, and I don't know anyone that I've spoken to that does not like Shawshank Redemption if they've seen oh, it. Man, it's a good, good film. I saw it with friends, and it was one of those moments where I was supposed to be hanging out with friends, but I was so like immersed into like the story. Yeah, and I. I couldn't like pull my, my my attention away from it, and it was it was such a great film, and I I I only 
unfortunately have seen it the like the one time, but I loved 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 that movie, and I I would love to watch it again. It's, it's definitely it, it definitely has like a rewatchable quality. I mean, like oh yes, I, it does. I anytime it's on TV, I watch it. Anytime I have the opportunity to, I watch it. Even if it's just in the background, I already know kind of what's going on. Um, yeah. It still has the same effect, and that's I think that's what is a good characteristic of a good, a good movie. Like you can watch it as many times and it still has the same effect on you. Oh yeah. You're watching it for the first time. And I don't know why that's the case with this movie, but um, it's just really great. And not, I don't, I don't think it's one of uh, Stephen King's best novellas uh, by far, but I think uh, the movie really gave it more life. Uh, yeah. But, and of course, like I said, Morgan Freeman, Tim Robbins and all these other characters. It's just a really powerful movie. Uh, just some of it's yeah, close it is. to the Green Mile or something like that. Um, oh wow! I, okay, that one I haven't seen, but yeah, no, it's it is really powerful. And, and like, and like you just feel for him when he finally gets out. It's just yeah. And yeah. I think I think it uh, lends itself to how actual, actually good a writer Stephen King actually is. Because I mean, we're all used to his horror movies mm-hmm. and the tropes he kind of gives. I mean, we've seen them, we've heard them, uh, but there's like those. Uh, outliers in his uh catalog like like i said the green mile or shawshank redemption that are just the stories about like struggle and hope and like kind of overcoming on all all that kind of stuff very basic concepts but they're done really well and that's why i love this movie no yeah i agree it's it's a great film and people if there's anybody out there who hasn't seen it they really should they really should watch give it a watch because it's it's worth it absolutely uh what's your next movie swan uh, Harold and Maud. I, I have, have almost, I've almost watched that movie. I haven't though. Like, <laughs> I almost, I almost wanted to watch it. I'm not even kidding you. Like probably like three months ago, I saw it, it was available, and I was like, you know what? I've never seen this. Movie. I'm gonna watch it. And then I did. Should. <laughs> oh my god, you should get d- definitely watch this film. Like the way I came across it, it's just. It was back when like I got into the Criterion Collection. And I. And I was just trying to see what that collection was about and stuff like that. So when I was working at Barnes Noble, like the first time around, um, I, I was um, working in the music department. And when I was like, like shelving the stuff for the Criterion sale, like I would kind of like look at some of the stuff as it came in. I would read the synopsis of like the, the ones that caught my attention and Harold and Maude caught my attention. And I read the back of it and I was like, huh, this sounds really interesting. So I went home and I kind of tried to find it, find it online. And I, I was able to find it, and I um, uh, and I watched it. I think I think it was on Netflix on the, at the time that I saw it. Mm-hmm. Like I think Netflix might have streamed it when I when I first saw this movie. And I I, I watched it there, and it was just it's a it's a really feel good with a sad ending type of movie. Like you know, like it's it's like it it is like a mixture of emotions i wouldn't say like so go far so far as saying like a roller coaster of emotions but it is like a like a like conflicting emotions because like because it's about this um it's about this um guy who's like in his early 20s and he's like this really what you like i think it's set in like what the 60s or 70s i can't remember what decade it's set in but whatever decade it is it's kind of like what like if there were emos back then, that's what this guy would be. <laughs> He's like this like really like dark kind of kid who's like wanting to get the the attention of his mom. And the way he tries to get the attention of his mom is by like, you know, 
reenacting suicide attempts and stuff. <laughs> and then he falls in love with an old lady. <laughs> and that's okay. the rally bit. <laughs> I'll leave it at that. I've heard of I've uh, heard of like premises about this movie, and um, yeah, but it's like it's not even like you know it's it's not done in a really gross way or anything like yeah. kind of like oh like you know it's kind of it's it's the story is told in a way where you understand why they yeah. fall in love with each other. <laughs> they they kind of fall in love with each other's vibe, I guess. Hey. It happens sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's a good film. And like if you if you want to see it, I don't want to spoil it too much. Oh, so. I, I I do want to see it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that like I didn't really spoil anything. I was just kind of talking about his personality because it opens with 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 that and yeah, he falls in love with her. <laughs> so I, that's I my I, number eight. I think I read the back of that uh criterion description. And yeah. it sounds interesting. I think that's why I wanted to watch it. But like, there's, I don't, I don't know about you, but there's certain movies that you can kind of just put on and leave it. And it's not like an issue if it's just on. There's some yeah. movies that like, I, if I'm going to put it on, like, I feel like I have to have this mental, uh, I have to be prepared mentally to watch it. And I feel like that one. No, yeah. Like, no, yeah. Like, I definitely have films where I need to mentally prepare myself. Cause like sometimes I'll even do like what you're saying. I'll read, like if I'm like streaming through like Netflix or whatever other streaming type of site, like I'll like read the synopsis. I'll see like how long the like the duration of like the the film, and I'll be like, okay, do I have do I have like the mental capacity to sit through this? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I yeah. I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah. it's because you want to actually pay attention. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um. Okay, so I guess my next my number nine. Uh, we're getting close to the end here. Is the Departed? Ooh, <gasps> oh my god! Okay, wait, wait. Are you talking about the one I think you're talking about with Leonardo DiCaprio? Yeah, that's the one. Okay, all right. I am talking yeah. about the one, and and yes, I've fun, seen that funny, one. Funny, I saw I was I was on TikTok uh, earlier today, and I'm kind of like follow a lot of movie TikTokers and stuff like that. And they were kind of going through Martin Scorsese films and what it kind of says about you. And this one, <laughs> this one came up says, "Ooh, yeah, everybody likes The Departed. Wow, you're so edgy and stuff like that." And I just started laughing because I thought it was funny because <laughs> uh, as they were going through most of his movies, ideally, and I would r- agree with this, that Goodfellas is a really good movie as well. And Martin Scorsese does yeah. a lot of good movies, and Goodfellas is one of those really good ones. And I like that one a lot too. Yeah. But The Departed was one of those that when it just came out, and I saw it for the first time. I was hooked. I love this movie. It's yeah. got a great cast. It might be a little bit, the cast may be, I guess, a little bit uh, overdone because there's a lot of people, but I feel like everyone gets a, a good screen time. I think uh, Leonardo DiCaprio is great in it. Jack Nicholson, uh, Matt Damon, uh, Mark Wahlberg. Just, I, I just love the story from beginning to end. And it was like, I'm not a big fan. I really am not of uh, like mafia type films and stuff like that that's yeah. just not like the the films i gravitate towards but this one was one of those and i just i was just hooked and i it kind of shocked me at the end um i've seen this movie so many times um and that's probably the case with most of these movies i've seen like a million times yeah. but um 
I just thought the story was really great. And uh, it was my first time actually delving into Martin Scorsese, uh, the director, when he came out with something fairly new. I'd mostly seen some of his old... I still haven't seen, like, Taxi Driver. I've always wanted to watch that one. I never have. Uh, but the only one I've really seen is Goodfellas and probably, like, a few after that. But Goodfellas was, like, the one that stood out to me the most. And then this was, like, my... Uh, this was, like, my Martin Scorsese movie that I... Yeah discovered on my own for the first time yeah. and uh, i don't know it just had me hooked it's a great uh like i said everyone does a great job the story's great the action's great even it's not too much action either it's just more of like a kid going undercover uh kind of like getting a, too deep and just all these informants fbi like the fbi is involved and all this like all this betrayal all these backstabbing <laughs> rats everywhere and it's just nuts, and I love it. So, Departed. I was, I was gonna say about the Departed because Leonardo DiCaprio. I mean, I don't have anything against him, but I do like to hate on him, and just because I think it's funny too. <laughs> and back when like people were all like, "Oh, give Leo his first Oscar! Give Leo his Oscar! Give Leo his Oscar!" Like I would always, I, I made this whole rant about it on Facebook on how I thought he didn't deserve the Oscar because mm-hmm. he does the same shit all the time. <laughs> he 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 always gets angry. He always yells. He always dies. <laughs> He's just like does the same thing constantly. Have, have, you seen, have you seen what's eating Gilbert Grape? Yes, I have. Yes. He screams that one. He, screams too. <laughs> he doesn't die. <laughs> he, but, but okay, let me tell you. So about the departed though, I will say I probably has one of my, my favorite and more, most memorable Leo deaths because I was just really yeah. shocked by it because yeah. I was so taken aback that he died mid sentence. You just kind of like, Oh, elevator opens. Boom. He's fucking dead. Yeah, and you know that's oh, like, that's, that's probably one of the things that like shocked me about this movie. Like, I thought in my head like things were gonna just pan out, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Matt Damon's character was gonna get his, and that was it. Like Leo was gonna kind of be able to find his redemption and like get out of the situation and finally live his life. But the minute that door opens up and just bam, <laughs> and I was just like, oh, I was like, what? I know. I was just <laughs> like, I didn't expect it. I didn't see yeah. it coming. Honestly, I didn't see it coming. Yeah. And so that's, that's, I mean, I only got to see again that movie once, but that, that scene definitely resonated with me. I mean, how can it not? It's just so unexpected. I think a lot of the, the movie itself has to do with like uh, unexpected moments. And that is one of them. And uh, again, a lot of the fact that there's a lot of, there's a lot of betrayal going on and like, you don't find out towards the end, people end up dying because of it. Um, But that last moment in the movie where there's like a rat crawling uh, across the little balcony there, kind of is is basically what the movie is. There's like a bunch of rats in like police <gasps> stations. What is the rat? So like, wait, this this rat that you're talking about is that like kind of supposed to be like symbolic with about, about like you know I, I, like I the think betrayal that, and stuff. I, I would imagine so, uh, but it, it goes across the balcony of uh, Matt Damon's apartment when uh, <laughs> Wal- Mark Wahlberg shoots him at the very end. Like uh, oh. again, I felt like Matt Damon was gonna get away with it, and then he opens his yeah. door with his groceries, and Mark Wahlberg's in there, like all covered up, like, and he has a gun pointed at him. He's just like, "Oh, come on!" And this boom, <laughs> just blows him away, and then he walks away. I'm like, "What the fuck just happened?" You know? Um, but oh yeah, my God. I I just really like that movie a lot, and I've seen it so many times. 
And I feel like I've said that like a million times because let me just say this: the next movie I've seen a million times also. So before I have hey, to say it's that, okay. one more time. We can we can reiterate as much as we want. All right. <laughs> All right. Uh, what's your uh, number nine, Swan? My nine is I think you've seen this one too, Ray. I think we 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 talked about this one, Sunshine, by Danny Boyle. He did Twenty Eight Days Later. I've not, not seen Sunshine. You haven't seen that one. I'm not okay. Seen, I know. I have seen Twenty Eight Later. I know. Who, I'm familiar with Danny Boyle, uh, but I've never, ever seen Sunshine. Okay. Well, let me tell you. Like, I feel like this is just. I. I mean, I. I love sci-fi, particularly sci-fi that has to do with space travel, mm-hmm. like you know, like you know, or space adventures. And this one is just really well executed, albeit. I mean, it's. Is of course sci-fi, science fiction. So it's about a concept that's probably impossible, or not probably, but is scientifically impossible. But it's the execution of the story that is so well done, mm-hmm. and it's got Killian Murphy and a bunch of other actors that I unfortunately don't know or can't recall their names, but I've known them from other works, and and it's a group of scientists that are sent into space on the spaceship called Icarus mm-hmm. because their whole mission is to reignite the sun because the sun is dying. Mm-hmm. But th- so they're, they're, they're on this, this, this spaceship and they have like this bomb that's the size of Manhattan. And they're supposed to deliver that, that payload over to the sun and release it and then try to make it back in time. Mm-hmm. And, like and then like the sun's supposed to be reignited by this bomb setting off on it. Right. It's so really well done. Oh, Chris Evans is in it. Oh okay. uh-huh. yeah. <laughs> I know people like Captain America, so if you like Captain America, you 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 should go watch this movie. He's kind of an a-hole in it, but like it's it's still <laughs> it's still good. He he does redeem himself. I will say he does redeem himself, but he he is the he is an a-hole. <laughs> but <laughs> But um, but yeah, he he uh, wait, what was I saying? Yeah, like this movie is just like really good. It's it's visually stunning. I know I keep saying that a lot because I, I just like acknowledging like the technical things about film because right. I studied film, so I'm a little bit of a film nerd. <laughs> but like, like the yeah, like the story. That's, that's the whole thing. Is that like uh, there's a lot of things that we like <laughs> about the movie, not just overall. But not just like the the actors. Yeah, we. Oh yeah. And and then I, I I liked like I said the way the story was just delivered and Christopher Nolan this is how you do sci-fi or sci- <laughs> science movie because you disappointed me with Interstellar I don't like Interstellar okay that's I just wanted to point that out there the haters can come at me I don't like that movie it like it didn't ha- it had poor character development it 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 was just like the storyline was just all over the place. Get your shit together. <laughs> and I was hyped up for Interstellar, and then when I finally saw it, I was like, "What the heck? What? What is this? What? What? What was that? Are you kidding me?" So Nolan I, I has mean, yet to. I've only seen Interstellar one time, so it was alright. And Nolan has yet to redeem himself after that for me. And people, people praise that movie, and I'm like, "Nope, I'm sorry, but you're wrong." 
Watch, right. watch, and, then, and then I bring up Sunshine, and I'm like, here, you want a good science movie, sci- sci-fi movie? Watch this movie right here. And they're like, oh, but 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 like he actually had actual science. And I'm like, I don't care if like the science he used in that film was accurate to like, you know, the science of today or whatever. I don't care. It's a, the execution matters and he didn't execute it or utilize it correctly. <laughs> so take that. I don't know. That, that's all I have to say. That's all I have to say about Sunshine. It's a good movie. It's kind of like a sci-fi thriller. Yeah, yeah, it's really good. Can I ask you a question? Uh, is it part of like a like a series of movies? No. Which one? Is Sunshine? No. Sunshine. No. I don't okay. Think so. No. You know, it's because I, I think it's. I think I'm getting it mixed up with another movie that I feel it's called Sunshine or something having to do with the sun, and it's like part of like a three movies or something like that. I don't know. I don't remember. It's just maybe something I made no. up in my own head. So. Oh, you're trying to see if I broke my 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 role, huh? <laughs> <laughs> How about the sequel stuff for the series? Well, no, well, it's, no, I'm well, pretty so sure it's standalone. Yeah. Well, that's what I'm saying is that, like, I thought in my mind, I thought Sunshine was associated with some other films, but maybe I was wrong. No, um, no I, I'm pretty sure it's. Just, I, I don't think I've never heard of a sequel for it. Like, I mean, I think I'm pretty sure I would have known if I did because I I love that movie. I've seen it countless times. Like, I can't remember how many times I've seen it, but no, I I love that film a lot. And uh, I'm pretty sure it's just that one. I don't think there's anything of it. Maybe something that's similar to it. I don't know. Oh, maybe. But I think the premise that you're telling me is different from what I am thought it was because the the premise you're telling me is different from what I remember. Yeah. The movie. Yeah. The premise of this one is just like the sun's dying, so the earth's gonna die if the sun dies. So they have like they have to somehow reignite the sun, and so that they send the team of scientists to go reignite it. All right, all right. Uh, so onward down to our last movies here. Oh, I know the last movie for me. Uh, favorite of all time is the thing. Another John Carpenter movie. Oh wow! <laughs> uh, the thing is a classic horror movie, also, but a remake of the thing from outer space. Uh, but of course, with John Carpenter's twist of more body horror. Um, Kurt, also with Kurt Russell, surprise. Yeah. Um, this movie has held up uh, in the practical effects. I think the best thing about this movie is the one very obvious is the practical effects. Uh, yeah. They stood out. There's like no CGI or anything. Um, oh. There might there might be some kind of like camera trickery and stuff like that, but yeah. a lot of it uh, still holds up to this day. It has a very Lovecraftian type of. Uh, Monsters to monsters. Um, I love Lovecraft and I love the very uh type of alien type of monsters that come to the come and destroy or kind of have an indifference to, to humanity. And yeah. I think that's where this is coming from. Uh a alien being or alien force that kind of or that infiltrates everyone's bodies without them actually knowing until they actually attack other people and then kind of uh multiplies and all that kind of stuff. But it deals with a lot of like uh, ancient type of uh, uh, things from many millennia ago before humans even existed, kind of coming to life again. Um, again, practical effects. Kurt Russell's in it. Anything Kurt Russell in it, I'll probably give it a chance because I love Kurt Russell. Yeah. Um, it has a lot of the same character, like actors in John Carpenter films. I don't remember the names, but I have seen them in many other films as well. 
as uh, Wilford Brimley, the, the the diabetes guy, the old man. <laughs> oh, yeah, diabetes. No, <laughs> the, the the mustache. Yeah, the glasses. Yeah, yeah. Mustache, like, yeah, yeah. Not diabetes, like, oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember those, um, after, like, during the crisis, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, it has to do with aliens. Another movie uh, thing that I love. Uh, horror, it's horror, uh, straight up. That's John Carpenter's soundtrack, which I love. I love anything John Carpenter does musically. Uh, it's got Halloween, you know, classic. E- everyone knows some kind of John Carpenter type of uh, music when they hear it. It's very yeah. synthy, very, uh, very oh, dark. Synth- I love synth- uh, music. I um, love synthy stuff. No, yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> Let me see what else. Uh, I think that's it. I mean, like. Um, it's just as held up all these years because most of the times you see like old horror movies and they have practical effects. They're real shit, you know, like they don't oh, hold yeah. really well. Uh, yeah. But John Carpenter does it really well in this movie and it's just a classic all around. Uh, my favorite movie. Even though they don't hold up well, you can still sometimes appreciate yeah. it for the time that they were made in, you know? Yeah, you're like, they, they come up campy, but you're like, oh, okay, yeah, that's what they had though yeah. at the time. You, you, know? can, you can put them into context, but uh, even like even today's standard, um, some of those practical effects, like they still have a, an effect on people. Like if you see yeah. it, it's grotesque, all this body hard, oh. pieces of your body just stretching apart and all that kind of stuff, and heads kind of floating in the air. It's just crazy. And I love it. I love all that stuff, and that is why this movie holds up for me as my one of my favorites. Probably not my top yeah. favorite, but one of my favorites of all time. Yeah, I I know that I've probably seen bits and pieces of the thing. I haven't seen all of it, and you're talking about the original, right? Not the remake. Well, see, the thing is, uh, John this this version of the thing uh, in the '80s was a remake of an old black and white one called The Thing from Outer Space. Oh, okay. I see what you're saying. I know that. Okay. I thought that one, I, I thought that, that, I thought the one from the eighties was the original one. And then there was like a newer one that oh, see, was like, they, they did a new one, but they called that one a prequel, but oh. I, that one was like, it's not very good. And okay, it was kind of done, not in the sense where like it was intended to be that like they they were like gonna remake it's almost like a remake but they just mm-hmm. call it a prequel because i mean there's a lot of almost the storyline is almost the same yeah but it but it just the characters apparently lead up to the next the john carpenter version but oh. it's, it's done very sloppily it's not done very well so i mean uh i think it was just kind of like a yeah test, but yeah so i hate when they do shit like that <laughs> It happens, you know. Yeah, money, money is a motivator for a lot of uh, people just to do some dumb shits. So. Oh yeah. Uh, so Swan, what's your uh, last pick? My last one is Atonement. It's another Joe Wright uh, directed the the he he directed Prime Prejudice uh, on a Coronel that episode that I still can't remember from Black Mirror. Mm-hmm. Um. And it's again stars Kira Knightley, James McAvoy, um, Benedict Cumberbatch is a supporting uh, actor in there, and uh, oh, what's her name? She's from from Dirty Dancing Havana Nights. I can never pronounce her name, but she's like the the pretty blonde 
Oh, I, I, I never saw that Ro- dirty dancing. <laughs> like Ramo- Ramona Ramola Garai. I'm I'm so sorry if I'm mispronouncing her name. I, I just <laughs> like I she's she's a wonderful actress and she she's also like one of the stars in this movie too. And what this film is about is it start it starts off I think what's what's the war that had the Dunkirk battle? Oh man, I don't know. I can't remember if that's one World One. What is it? World War One or two? Or I can't remember. I thought I thought it was World War Two, but I mean I've never seen Dunkirk, so I don't really know for sure. I'm just kind of well. It's because it's because I only remember that it's one of those wars, or I know that 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 seems like the Dunkirk thing because. <laughs> When when Christopher Nolan, this is already when I hated him because of Interstellar. <laughs> <laughs> when he came out with Dunkirk, I was like saying, "Oh look, I bet like this this like long shot in atonement of the Dunkirk battle is better than his like two hour film." So and it was. I was just <laughs> to me. I don't know. I've never seen Dunkirk, but oh, okay. I'm, I'm, I was just assuming that it like that that one long take that happened in Dunkirk in in the movie Atonement was better uh-huh. than than whatever he came up with. <laughs> I don't know. I was just being like, because of Interstellar. So I was just like, yeah. Eh. <laughs> I've, never, I've never seen. I've never seen Atonement. I don't think I've even heard of the movie before. Okay. Well, just really quick, what what Atonement is about? It's about this girl when she was like, wait, maybe nine or ten. Let's say nine or ten, right? I don't know. She she witnesses something at a, and she twists it into her own sadistic story that gets him into trouble, like James McAvoy's character into trouble. And so she went like, and so she essentially, she had a crush on him. Like she's just like a little girl, but he's already like a full grown adult. And she, she witnesses um, her, her eldest sister and her, her her crush like you know engaged in a in a s- sexual setting mm-hmm. and she when she tells the story though she instead of it, seeing seeing it and recognizing it for what it was she lies knowingly saying that he was sexually assaulting her and so he gets arrested and all this stuff kind of happens because of her lie. And so spoiler kind of alerts coming, coming on. So essentially like the whole story is like, she's trying to atone for that horrendous lie that she, that she told as a child. Mm-hmm. And she's doing this as an old lady through a book as as a book she's writing a novel as her as her way of atonement oh okay to what she did to her to her sister and the guy that she had a crush on because unfortunately the reality of it was was that they both died at a very young age but in her story she gets to let them live on and live the life that they were supposed to live even though they couldn't live it in actuality and that's why it's called atonement because she feels like she's having them live on through her novel, like through her written word, which I still think is fucked up because, like, I mean, what she what she she, she ruined both of their lives, right? And 
I don't feel, even though the movie's called Atonement, I, I still don't think she's atoned for shit, you know? <laughs> I was just like, I'm just like, fuck you, lady, you, uh. it's just, you so still it, like kind of, yeah. It's basically for her, is what she's doing. Like she's doing yeah, she's doing it for herself. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Atonement, yeah. It's, it's a good movie, but and, it's just kind of like, you can't help but hate her uh, from beginning to end because hmm. she's like a little shit. And <laughs> who's the main character again? Like, who's the. Well, she like like the main character is is that is that character the one that's trying to atone for what okay. she did? And no, oh, I, I'm, a, I'm sorry, I meant the actor. Like the actor, like who's the actor who does it? Well, she's played by three women. Like like oh, the, okay. the like uh the and as a kid, she's played by Shorsa Ronan. Like I think that's how she pronounces her name. She she comes out in uh um she comes out in um. Lady Bird and uh, Little oh, Women. Okay, right. like the newest adaptation. Yeah. yeah. So like she's she plays her as a little girl. Then the the one from from Dirty Dancing Havana Nights, the remote like the other lady that I can't pronounce her name correctly. She 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 plays her as like a young adult, not like not like a teenager, but more like someone in their like maybe twenty to thirty age range. Mm-hmm. And then I. Unfortunately, don't know who like the the actress who plays her as an old woman, but but yeah, and you don't really get to see her as an old woman very much. It's like more it more shows you like her as a kid, her as a young adult, and then like at the end you see her as an old woman. Hmm. Okay, but yeah, but she's like the main character of the story because she's the one that's trying to atone for herself for like the shitty thing that she did. Yeah. All right. So that's your number. But it's one, really huh? good. No, well, it's my number ten. No, there's no like top ten. Yeah, it's my number ten. But that's yeah. uh, the last in your list of top ten. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, okay. and that's my list. <laughs> now, uh, all right. So that is our top ten list of our favorite movies. Uh, no franchise, no sequels, and even though I claimed all these rules beforehand, I broke every single one of them. Actors. <laughs> um. Do you have any, uh, maybe like about three, two, three, uh, honorable, honorable mentions? Yeah. Uh, let me see. Um, probably, mm-hmm. I, I do like Anna Karenina. It's another book adaptation, like, mm-hmm. uh, based off of like, ooh, who wrote Karenina? Was it Nabokov or Tolstoy? I can't remember who wrote Anna Karenina. But yeah, like it's about like Anna, Anna Karenina is about like this woman who's married and she has an affair with a younger man and she like, and it's said in Russia and she has to pay the consequences for her affair. And it's just like this really beautifully uh, um, movie but the adaptation that i like of, of that one again is kira knightley i she's just one of my favorite actresses okay and i like <laughs> joe wright and and joe joe wright no apologies. directed this one too yeah no no i'm not apologizing i you have see, no shame you see yeah you've seen my list right i have no shame whatsoever. <laughs> yeah like it was just really well done and i like the way that he went about like that film like because like the the like the they, the way it's shot is kind of like a changing stage, like a, like a theater stage. Oh, okay. So it's kind of like so it's like really cool, and a lot of people were kind of like off put by it, 
But I thought it was really cool because it's just kind of like they're acting out the drama of their lives. Like, you know, so like, what is drama? Drama is like theater. And so it's kind of like affiliated that way. And so it just kind of made sense to me why it was shot that way, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. And, And so... So it's 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 really wonderfully shot like and the set looks like a stage intentionally because they're constantly changing the backgrounds like the mo- so the backgrounds behind them change like they would like you know if you were watching an, like an actual live performance. Right. And it's just really 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 good. And um so that's one honorable mention that almost made it to my list but I felt like I liked Atonement a little more than than that one. And then another one that I wish I could have fit on my list, but I just felt like, oh, I have a lot of period pieces. I want to mix it up a little bit. Is Jane Eyre the one with um, the one with uh, Michael Fassbender and Mia Wasikowska? Uh, yeah. She's the she's the one that yeah, that one is so beautiful. It's just like the way the 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 their performances, the cinematography. It's just really well done. Like. The music that they chose for it is really, really lovely. It's just, it's just a really good film. And then the third one, I can't think of the third one. So you tell me okay. some of your. <laughs> uh, I'll tell you the three that I'm thinking right here. Okay, so one of them is, uh, it's called Fear of a Black Hat, and basically that is a think of Spinal Tap, the way I describe as a, a rock band in the '80s, and it's like a documentary style, but it's of a fake band. Fear yeah. of a Black Hat is takes place in the '90s. But it's of a rap group during the time where gangster rap is like a big thing. Okay. Um, it's kind of spinal tap, but like exaggerated even more because it has the rap element to it, a lot of racism, yeah. a lot of misogyny, a lot of uh overt gun usage <laughs> in the music. Yeah. That. But it's a comedy. Yeah. This is just a straight up straight up comedy, and it's one of my favorites. I, I found it, I saw it randomly on Cinemax one late night here. I just remember the title coming up. I'm like, oh, I'll check it out. And saw it. Thought it was hilarious. Went to my local video store. Told the guy. The, the video store is just two blocks from my house. And I told the guy, I was like, hey, I saw this movie. I don't remember what it was called. And I described it what, it, what it was to him. And he was like, oh, yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. And gave me the movie. And I think I rented it like like 10, 10 times in a row. Because I had to show everybody this movie. I thought it was so funny. And uh, yeah. a lot of my friends are like fans of it as well. Because it's just over the top ridiculous like <laughs> more than spinal tap could ever be um so there's that one then there's uh ghost world uh i don't know ghost world is uh adapted from a graphic novel uh, okay as uh scarlett johansson and uh thor birch the, okay it's kind of emo-ish in the 90s kind of um and it stars steve buscemi as well um it's a very depressing movie Especially yeah. at my age now, back back when I saw it when I was younger, I identified more with uh, it's funny the, the Thor Birch character because of how uh, she hate kind of hates everything and like everyone bothers her and she just kind of just graduating high school doesn't know what to do with her life and just kind of like trying to figure stuff out. I watch it now and I relate to more Stevie Sammy's character and I get really depressed watching the movie because <laughs> mm-hmm. his character is really sad and yeah. his relationship with Thor Birch like. It's just really, it gets really weird and it's just, yeah, it's just kind of gut wrenching. Um, mm-hmm. It's not like true dramatic, but it's just, it has like a really awkward, it's just really awkward. And um, that's one of my favorites. I watched that one for an entire year one time too. Like just every day, I just had it on Ghost World. 
has nothing to do with ghosts, by the way. Like, <laughs> I, one one thing I will say about Steve Fish, I mean, every time I think of him, like I always think of like that. I think it's isn't it in Con Air like when like there's little girls like in a pool yeah. with him and she's like you got the hoe yeah. in your hands. yeah <laughs> I I always think of that scene specifically when I think of Steve Buscemi <laughs> and then of course he's in Armageddon right yeah yeah he is yeah, yeah. so yeah yeah Steve Buscemi great love him yeah, um, uh, I'm gonna throw out two more just real quick one of them is Kevin Smith's Dogma. Uh, oh, that's a good one. Yeah, that one's freaking funny. The most awkwardly pro-religious or pro-Catholic movie that I've ever seen, even though it's not like kind of bashes Catholicism at some points, mm. but it also kind of promotes uh, at least spirituality in, in a way. Um, yeah. I, love, I love the dynamic dynamic between Matt Damon and uh, Ben Affleck as the two angels that are cast out of heaven. And the Metatron, I forget his name, and I they're probably going to kill me for that. Um, he's the guy that plays the the villain in uh, Die Hard. Alan Rickman. Alan Rickman. Yes, sorry. Come uh, on, he's yeah. Professor Snape. As Metatron, sorry, like yes, Metatron, uh, Alan Rickman, and Alanis Morissette is God. Ridiculous. So that's another one of my favorite movies. And the last one is oh, the Big Lebowski, uh, Coen Brothers. Oh. Um. I have a cone brother I could throw out there, but you go first. <laughs> well, it's it's gonna be the Big Lebowski. Uh, I, it was honestly I had a between the Big Lebowski and Raising Arizona. I love both those movies, uh, but uh, I love probably the the problem is is that uh, John Goodman comes out in both those films, and I love his character in both those movies. Like he's just nuts, and he's just so good. And I I'll say, but I'll say the Big Lebowski because. Um, his character when he pulls out the gun on the guy when they're bowling and shit, and he goes, "Is anyone ever? Am I the only one who gives a shit about the rules?" Like and he pulls out the gun, like I love it. It's great. But those are my honorable mentions. No Country for Old Men is yeah. so. That's a good that's one. Really like good. that, I never. I I loved that ending because it's just kind of like you have like your protagonist. Which is that guy, and he, and then he's just kind of like there, and then you don't, you, you expect that at some point, like you're like, oh, he's just gonna like, you know, come out like the victor, and he doesn't, like he gets fucking killed, yeah. and like, I, and but I, that's why I like the movie, and then you're like, okay, so wait, the 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 antagonist is gonna win this, and then he doesn't really win either because he yeah. gets, he just he 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 leaves from killing like that that guy's wife, yeah, and then like he gets like and like he gets t boned. <laughs> You're like, he's just kind of like, he's that. just like, kind of like, he's just kind of like limping away. Yeah. <laughs> and so it's like, it's just like a movie where like, it's just kind of feels so realistic. And it's just kind of yeah. like in the, in the way that like, sometimes no one wins. Like, yeah. that's just the reality. Sometimes it's just like, there is no good or bad. There's just no person who's just going to come out on, out on top. Sometimes that's just the way things are, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And and another one that I I also one more is uh there will be blood. Okay, Daniel Day Lewis, huh? Yeah, I like that scene that like we're at the very end. Have you seen that the ending of that movie? No, I actually never seen that movie. Yeah, I've seen a lot God. of Daniel Day Lewis movies. Oh, I've never man, seen that. I wanted to say the line, but I don't want to kill I don't want to ruin it for you either. It's because me after me and my sister watched that movie like 
we would watch it like a number of times together mm-hmm. and we would always quote that this like one specific line go ahead you can say it if you want it's like it's just like he says like i drink your milkshake i drink it up <laughs> it means just like it don't make sense when you watch the movie but it's hey, just kind of like i've seen that clip because i've seen a lot of this where like that movie's mentioned or yeah. i don't i don't understand the context of that at all yeah no, you uh, have to watch it to understand. Watch movie, yeah. yeah. All but right. it's just like it's it's a good movie. <laughs> okay, well, uh, Swan, thank you for joining me today to talk about your top ten. I really enjoyed it. I hope you oh, did as well. I of course I did. I had a blast. Thank you for having me. Um, hopefully we can have you on again whenever we, t- we can talk about a specific movie if you like. Oh yeah. Uh, you can of probably course. join us whenever we uh actually do a whole group thing and um and anytime we uh, invite someone on, I always let them know that don't hesitate to talk shit if you need to, because everyone's kind of immune already. Everyone knows that everyone's <laughs> got a layer on them already to talk shit, because a lot of people have, and that's just the way we do things around here. So never, never feel hesitate, uh, restrain yourself. Say whatever you want. All right, you mean. All um, right we'll do. <laughs> thank you again for joining me. Okay. And um, hopefully we'll get you on next time. And, uh, Thank you. Anyone out there, you can like and subscribe or do all that other stuff uh, where you get notified whenever we actually put out another episode. So thank you. And we'll see you next time. All right. Thank you. Bye. (laughs)